0: all right welcome 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 back to the totally average gamers podcast it's been a couple of weeks, but we are back. I am Kay Burns, 30 here again with A.B. Cincinnati's and I, hi, fr- there. <laughs> hi there, and I frostbite from a slightly new location, much cooler location. <laughs> Think so? Less, less glowing uh, PlayStation stuff or,
1: or I'm, uh, I'm stuff in the background. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still setting up, all right? You got <laughs> give
0: me some I, time. I always just say, you know, new is cool, right? That's how it goes. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, we apologize for our absence for the past few weeks. Life gets in the way, but we are back mm-hmm. to give you some uh, some amazing opinions that nobody cares about. Um, it's been, well, there's been a lot that's happened, though, um, in the last few weeks. We played some Valheim. Um, we played a lot of Valheim. I've played a surprising amount of Valheim, considering how critical I was.
2: Uh, I know. It's, I was going to point that out. It's like <laughs> you, I was waiting. I was waiting to point it out during the what we've
1: played section. But yeah.
2: Yeah. Like uh, I think of the three of us, I've been playing the most Valheim.
1: Yeah. Which you, you were like right away. You were like, Nah, it's not my thing. And then you're like, <laughs> You're like, Okay, well,
0: I'll try it. And then now you've been playing it more than anyone else. And now he doesn't. He doesn't. DBC <clears throat> doesn't want to admit he likes it. So he's like, Oh, well, you know, it's good. But it's better with people. But like, let's be honest, man, you like Valheim.
2: <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit but uh
0: um but yeah th- there are parts i like yes you know it's been you know as far as it might have been a few weeks off but there really hasn't been all that much newsworthy actually a few things that's happened in the past uh few days um rest in peace mario 35 years had a good run long live Pac-Man Mario 99 Man 99 <laughs> so mario 35th anniversary is gone um, which means that Super Mario 3D All-Stars is delisted. Um, but let's be honest, if you didn't buy it by March 31st, you weren't going to buy it anyway. Um, um, re- really, the big loss there is Mario 35. Yeah. I'm disappointed that they... I was really hoping they would um, change course on that one. But Super Mario 35 is gone, but we've got Pac-Man 99. Did you guys download that yet?
2: Uh no, it's not, not available, yet. I thought, for like today. Um is is it today? I thought it was tomorrow. Today. I think it's
0: today. Did um, you download it? No. No, but my switch is right here. Maybe I should just download
1: <laughs> Live, here we go. Live live 99, 99 uh <laughs> unboxing. If we if, if you
2: if you pay for it, apparently you get the uh mm-hmm. the multiplayer mode to let you play with your switch friends but if you get the free one you get stuck
0: playing against randoms um question do either of you really want to pay for pac-man i've never been a huge pac-man
1: guy uh, i don't
2: um, think i own a copy of pac-man on any yeah. platform
1: yeah same so i i don't know i, I i'll try it because it's free but I'm, i don't do, i feel like i'm probably not going to be putting that much time into it. And wow, my cam my camera is going nuts. New location,
0: uh, same bandwidth.
1: No, actually the bandwidth is, is lower. I, I'm gonna be upgrading it
0: hopefully soon. <laughs> so, so stay tuned for our next podcast where Frostbite has a better internet connection. Hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah I, I'm gonna check out Pac-Man ninety nine. Um, I like Pac-Man, but I like Pac-Man at short bursts, like oh yeah, an hour of Pac-Man was fun, and then I don't have to play it again for five years. I I mean I I like Pac-Man.
2: I I like Pac-Man enough to play it when I see like an arcade cabinet of Pac-Man, but I would never want to play Pac-Man at home. What about um, what about playing Pac-Man at home with ninety-eight other people? So I'm I, I made a joke two years ago uh, online that like this was going to become a trend. we were just going to see like a shit a bunch of of shitty like runoff versions of Tetris ninety-nine, um, and I was hoping that that. That, that Tetris and Sega would continue, kind of, because like Tetris, uh, Poyo Poyo Tetris came out around the same time. Yeah, it was like a, I think a year earlier. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know what I really want is uh, Tetris '99 or Poyo Poyo '99 Tetris, where 98 <laughs> players get to play Tetris and one person gets stuck playing Poyo Poyo.
0: <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs>
2: And then it's it's always like the, you know, the
0: the, the one person who's just mastered Puyo Poyo. I, I would really like Poyo Puyo Tetris a lot more if it wasn't for the Poyo Puyo. Puyo. <laughs> yeah. So I
2: guess I'd like Tetris. You know what it is? I think they could have picked a different puzzle game to to mix with Tetris. Mario's Puzzle power.
3: Party? Well,
2: Oops. you know, like either Dr. Mario or Panel de Pawn. Dr. Or, Mario, yeah. I love Doctor Great. Why are you like? Th- oh, don't, we're getting there. Don't. don't <laughs> and we haven't got to the nail playing, but you know that that's. I I, I think the real part of that is though, like they, the two games don't really mesh very well. They're both falling block puzzle games, but they have totally different rule sets and. Um, the damage done in one game can't really mm-hmm. easily convert into the damage done in another. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, oh, you dropped a bunch of blocks, but in Puyo Puyo, that's like a benefit. Whereas in Tetris, it's like, okay, they added more junk at the bottom of the screen.
0: Also, Poyo Puyo sucks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've actually been tempted to pick up Poyo Poyo Tetris 2, and I bought the first game, so I don't need the second game. I, I, I have the first
1: game. Yeah. If you play it and and just never do any of the Puyo Puyo stuff, it's still a really good Tetris game. Oh, yeah, no,
2: it's oh, still yeah. a
0: great Tetris game. Like, that that goes without saying. Yeah, for sure. So, Pac-Man 99, we will all get there. In a couple of weeks, we'll tell you that we've all been playing Pac-Man 99 because, you know, we're it criticizing it, but of course we will be playing it. Um, but other, other news. Um, summer conventions are, of course, digital. Um, mm-hmm. E3 has kind of more formalized their plans, from what I understand, saying, you know, fully online, new experience. Nintendo has come out and said that they will have a video um, dropping during E3. So no different than if they were in person or not, because yeah. they never were live on stage anyway. Um, Sony, of course, will not be doing anything during E3. So no different than a regular E3 year as well. Uh, can, can I throw out a prediction quickly? You might. Sony shows up at, at Summer of Gaming instead. So here's the thing about Summer of Gaming, which, again, you know, also happening. I was. The Internet doesn't care about it, and I don't get why, because it's a better show right now. It, it, it was a much better show. Well, last year,
2: to be fair, there was no E3, but. I, I think I think the big difference is one of them is a very sterile, you know, like this is the industry getting together. Yeah. Kind of trade show. Like, I mean, it started as press conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Where they would show off sales numbers. It was the Consumer Electronics Show's gaming spinoff. Yeah. And Summer of Gaming is like, hey, uh, like, w- we're fans. We know what people want to hear. We we know people just want the announcements. And we know that they want, like, the big announcements. So here's just nothing but big announcements over the course of the summer. Um, and, like, Jeff Keighley... Worked for game trailers, so he knows how to get, um, you know, hype built up around a game. I I think they'll have a. It'll be interesting to see how like that. The two match up because they'll be fighting for the same viewership, depending on, on when
0: they're planning on putting out. They probably uh, won't be. Blasts. My guess is they won't be. My guess is one's going to happen. Like conferences like this generally don't happen at the same time. But, you know because a lot of these places will want to kind of represent it both. So my, sure. my guess is they won't compete with each other at all. The question is, is how well can some of gaming start positioning themselves as the show to be? And right now, and I was on Twitter today, the internet does not care about it. And I think the reason why is because of the way that it's been presented. It's And it started in this era, right? Whereas E3 was always the in-person, you know, like you said, the trade show and the really cool stuff. So it's just got... E3 is just kind of working on their name, you know, and working on their history. It's going to be an upward battle for Summer of Gaming, I think. I guess the, the one last thought I have on Summer of Gaming is
2: that because it does have the. The sort of backing of being. Kind of tangentially related to the game awards. Um, there is the. The. People who know, you know the the scope of the Game Awards and the the types of announcements that get shown off at that, also expect the same kind of thing from uh, Summer of Gaming. And if it can, if it can be kind of on that level, then they'll be a memorable show going forward. But if they bring, you know, random third party crap that people don't care about, um, you know, people are gonna go back to E three to as kind of like the Christmas in June, as it had previously been been <laughs> thought of.
0: And, and the other thing is Nintendo saying that they're going to have their direct during E3 gives E3 a boost already. Love or hate Nintendo, their news is always big, um, even if it's just for people to come back and say they hated it. <laughs> it's always big. So, and it's like not even related to E3. It just happens during E3. It happens
2: during it, yeah. But it's all It, it would be easy. It would be easy for them to say, like, yeah, we're doing a first party showcase during during E3, you know, like, quote unquote, during E3. But uh, we're going to have like a Indies Direct during Summer of Gaming.
0: Yeah,
3: but Nintendo, um, Nintendo doesn't do anything that anyone really expects them to do. So, yeah, truth. I, I guess we'll see what happens with those. They're only
0: really two. Well, e 3s only two months away, so I'm sure we will be back here a lot. For E3, uh, definitely join to the average gamers at E3. Virtually, maybe
1: maybe we'll finally get that Elden Ring trailer. We keep hearing it so much about actually I heard that it leaked, but.
0: <laughs> there was an Elden Ring trailer that leaked. It's terrible, but it was also yeah, I, a, I,
3: I, I thought
2: um, the one that leaked was like two years old and for which, internal use. only. yeah, it was but released, which is why it's was terrible. A,
3: there
1: was a more recent leak.
2: Oh, I did not know that,
1: that.
2: I, I, I didn't read about that
1: but um, uh, they keep the news keeps like the rumors keep coming out that we're going to see it very soon. So whatever that means, I don't know in, in, mm-hmm.
0: in two weeks, obviously.
3: Yeah, Perpetually
0: well, two weeks away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what else has happened? Like I said, it's been a uh,
2: PlayStation announced that they're shutting their digital storefronts down for three other platforms. Yeah. Um, and and hardly anyone cared Well, okay, so I think there's there's an important discussion to be had here though where they have at least going back to the PSP uh, less so with the PS3 and the, the Vita they had an entire platform that was digital only right, and they had plenty of software that was digital only um, and maybe it's worth examining from kind of a, a a retrospective point of view because, you know, we've got the PS5 digital. Um, and so there's the concern that depending on how well they preserve things from this era that they're shutting down, you know, how is that going to reflect what's going to happen with the PS5? Um, we've talked in the past about online games and preservation and uh, access to these games, I think in the case of things like Sony, there are a bunch of studios that a either no longer exist, like uh, Sony's Japan studio um, where they like uh, the other day I was I streaming was and, and Frostbite was asking me about games to download on PSP. And one of the ones that I suggested was uh, Loco Roco, and it's a spe- special version of Loco Roco. It's like Loco Roco Midnight Carnival. It's the third it's the non-numbered LocoRoco game. Uh, studio doesn't exist anymore, Digital only for, a P- for PSP. When the store shuts down, there will be no way to get access to that game. Uh, and the studio that made it i i don't know you know what happens to those assets because the studio got shut down um and the staff all got rolled into other studios so some people will, will care about this not a huge number of people but some people will care about how sony uses this as like a, a platform for, for game preservation um but yeah, if, if if you have one of those platforms, go check out lists of, of digital content because you you got like a month and a half till two of those stores shut down.
1: So yeah, I'm I've got a PSP Go that I, to be honest, didn't really use that much when I even when I got it. But um, <clears throat> you can get uh, all the PS1 classics on the PSP store, so I'm I'm probably going to download a couple more things off of there so I can keep them alive. Before it goes
0: away. I, I will just say this, you know, the reason that nobody cares is the and this leads into the next thing I'm gonna say is unfortunately, and I don't advocate this, this is why this is why piracy exists. Uh, you know, people don't care that the stores are gonna shut down because they know that it doesn't really matter. The games are available. Not in the way that Sony wants you to get them, but they're there. And like the, a lot of people say, I don't care that the PS3 store is shutting down, my PS3 is modded, or my PSP is modded. PSP in mm-hmm. particular, if I'm not mistaken is has no security on that system. And it's really easy to mod. Um it's it's not there's no security. It's just that it's it was easily cracked. So there's no security on that system in it. <laughs> um no, but like they don't care because it's not going to stop people from playing the games they want to play. That that's a whole other discussion which we can have another episode about sometime, but uh, you know I I have to say to these publishers what do you expect if you delist your games, you don't make them available. People are going to pirate them. That's mm. just an unfortunate reality of our uh, of the gaming industry right now. Nintendo, shocked faced, Super Mario sixty four isn't available for purchase anymore. Why is everyone pirating and emulating Super Mario sixty four? Right, like, like. Well, look, guys, you know, come on. So, well,
3: well yeah,
2: come on. I, I I guess I have one last thought on that, which is if you are interested in doing what Frostbite and I are doing with regards to PS one games on PSP. Mm. Uh, go check out the list of PS1 classics available on those pl- those three platforms, uh, and cross-reference it with the list of most expensive PS1 discs. Oh, yeah. For, uh, on Wikipedia or on um on pricecharting.com because there are some titles there that are like $4.99 on it, on the digital storefront. And like, for example, I picked up Klonoa Door to Phantomile, which is uh, 4 499 or 599 on on the PlayStation store and playable on all three of those platforms and uh if you want a disc and just the disc uh
1: in Canada it costs you $250. Yeah, you could probably get like you could get a you could go buy a used PS3 and download like the top 5 rarest PS1 classic Games from the store and for less than the cost of like for, one of those for a games. fraction, yeah, for like a fraction of the cost of buying, buying them, buying the games, uh, in physical form for sure. Sure.
3: <clears throat>
2: oh, I think that's all the news. That uh, there's, there's been bits and pieces here and there, but like but the big things I think were, were what's going on with the summer, uh, the state of preservation, and um. And yeah, Sony kind of it, and like that was rumored too before it actually was confirmed. And then Sony had Sony came out and was like, "Yeah, we're a- we actually are shutting things down." And a bunch of studios who were porting or who were developing for Vita were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, because they got no warning.
3: People are yeah. still
1: developing for Vita.
2: Well, that well, was well, that first the first mistake.
3: The
2: the Vita also had had a much longer life in Japan than it did here. Um, it actually got supported in Japan. Not oh, it was supported better. No, it actually got supported in Japan. It actually got <laughs> supported
0: in in North America. It was kind of dead on arrival. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll people will start complaining more as the stores actually shut down. But, anyways, Frostbite. What have you been playing? I know you've been moving, so I'm not sure you've been playing much of anything.
1: Yeah. So I've been pretty busy, uh, but when I do have time. Of course, been playing Monster Hunter Rise. I have yet to pick it up. I want to, and it's been pretty pretty great so far. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I Just gotta, wish I had more time to play it. <laughs> such is life. I gotta get that one. Definitely on my list. And of course, Valheim. We even play Valheim. I I haven't played in a couple weeks, but um. Yeah, like really, I think the only game I've played the last couple of weeks has been Monster Hunter Rise and maybe uh, the occasional Picross on the Switch. Cool. Um, Picross, but, the, is it one of the ones by Jupiter? Of course. Yeah, th- those games are just so well put together. Yeah, I usually just like, if I'm just like trying to relax before going to sleep or something, I'll do a puzzle or two. Um, I'm almost done the, I'm almost done Picross S3. Just a few puzzles left, so yeah. Um,
2: I finished a bunch of the their Picross games on the the D, the 3DS. They're
3: mm-hmm. they're wonderful. Yeah.
2: Um, cool. Pretty cool. So,
0: Kabrins, so what about you? What have you been playing? I'm also life. Life also gets in the way for me, but uh, Valheim. I've, it's been about a week or so, um, but Valheim. Honestly, um, you know, I was playing um, Bowser's Fury a little bit. I finished uh, I, I rolled credits on it, but I haven't yet finished all the cat shines, which I can't believe is a thing in a Mario game cat shines. But it's such a Amazing. weird thing for them to have named them like they're, they're But like if you look at them, like that's what I would call them too. the way that yeah. the spray design. I look at them I'm like, OK, cat shine. Wow. Yep. OK, <laughs> OK. Um, yeah, played a little bit of that. Uh, and in preparation for what we're going to be talking about, I've been playing through Game Boy Advance games. I'm not going to say much more right now, but some of them. But the past few days, um, well, last week, released really, Minish Cap, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap. Played it before, but it's been a number of years. Minish Cap. And I still play, I I own that, and I still haven't actually gone through it yet. My my thoughts on this game, and you know, I'm sure we'll probably touch on it again. It, it's. Got a lot of like huge following to it. Like a lot of people love this game, saying it's one of the best uh, handheld Zelda games, best two D Zelda games. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, why? Link's Awakening, Link to the Past, both Oracle games, all better than this. Like it's got some weird issues to it, things that are just non deterministic and frustrating and random, and I don't know. It bothers me. Uh, that's really what I've been playing. Um, some other Game Boy Advance games, honestly. <clears throat> been been a little quiet for me too i think it's abc who's got the uh oh,
2: all right really yeah, yeah I've, I've, <laughs> I've actually got uh, <laughs> it's not that long of a list but um i mean i've I, I was jumping around streaming different games for a while but i've also so obviously i've been playing animal crossing still getting like 20 30 minutes in a day uh because we hit the one year mark i've they, they actually acknowledged it in game they're like yeah you've been this is when you settled on the island a year ago so uh Nice. I've been playing that for a year now. Um and uh which was interesting cuz Bunny Day happened again, which if people don't if people who are watching don't know, uh they had an Easter event that lasted for way too long. Yeah. It, yeah. It, during the lunch and it was like everything everybody it was part of the site of, of this game because everybody got stuck farming these eggs for like I don't know like 2-3 weeks. And uh this time around the event started on April 1st and it ended on April 4th. So, um, that's bad. They, they were, they were very quick about it. And they're like, their April fool's joke was, um, was like they had, they had characters online on Twitter being like, yeah, funny day is so, so, so popular. We're going to have it run for like four weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. But, yeah. Uh, but no, it, it it's, it's still keeping my attention at least in the short term. Um, uh, so I finished the messenger, which I had men- mentioned previous streams or previous podcasts that I was playing. Uh, I'd started the DLC, but I've put that down temporarily. Um, I beat the original Contra on the Contra collection. Wow. Uh, which I, I used the, the Konami code, but uh, I think I mentioned you, I did, you should use the Konami code. It's there, but I, but yeah, but, I, but I did <laughs> beat, I, I did beat Contra. Um, uh, I briefly started Wild Arms on a stream, and I'm actually kind of interested in going back to it. I, I saw um, that. Uh, I played through all of Wario's Woods on Nintendo Switch Online. Tell us what you think. Yeah, um, actually,
1: I'm, I'd like to talk about this a lot more. So,
2: so, so uh, to preface, I only played the single player. Uh, and the single player has these weird spikes in difficulty. Uh, so the single player has a hundred stages and the stages like the, the start of each stage is set in stone, but then the whereas woods has like this, the way it works is it's like a, a match three kind of game, but you have to always finish uh, the, the combination of, of the same color with a bomb of that color and the bombs spawn, spawn in whatever random order they want. Hold on. So
1: even though L- the, the,
2: the, let the, me stop you right when, there
1: because it, what it, while it is a match three or whatever, I guess it's a match three. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a falling out. You're leaving, block out, match you're three leaving out the most, the most important difference of Wario's Woods to every other similar puzzle game is that um you are not controlling the, blocks, the pieces. You're controlling that, to you're controlling. Yeah, toad you're controlling inside. a person that walks around, picks up the pieces, and moves them. Around the board, which is what makes it so interesting in my opinion so
2: and and the controls for that are like y- you you have to be pixel perfect with when you press the button to grab blocks and things like that, which can be a little bit frustrating um I, I was doing all right until I hit level seventy, and like i I was probably playing you know a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and I was very quickly getting through a lot of the stages and um you know, every 10 or 15 stages, they would introduce some new concepts and I got to level 70 and I spent like two straight days just trying to beat level 70 and it came out of nowhere and it suddenly ramped up the difficulty. And then I beat level 70 after like two or three days and I breezed through the next 20 without even trying. (laughs) So So you got so good at level 70. Yeah. And then like the last 10 levels were just brutally difficult. And so, you know, I, I came away very frustrated at the game. Um, honestly i don't think a game like that should have a single player the way that this one did uh i think the multiplayer probably plays better there's probably more of a the, the game probably is, is really fun is, it it's yeah. probably meant to be more like hectic and chaotic and you you feel some ownership to the to the chaos that's going on whereas the the randomness of what happens in single player just feels unfair um but anyway, too much on Wario's Woods. Uh, I finished Mario Super Picross, which again, another Jupiter and Nintendo developed Picross game. Uh, I was playing uh, Final Fantasy 8 briefly on stream and then continued off stream. And I've again put that down because I picked a bunch of other games. I started Yoshi's Crafted World on stream and then put it down. Um, I did a stream with uh, where I was playing Link's Awakening Randomized. I did a stream where I played FTL um, and I forgot how great FTL is. I haven't played in years and years and years. Um, if you haven't played, it's a fun like s- space sim roguelike, mm-hmm. uh, like very very quick in terms of like the cycles that you go through in terms of the gameplay because it's a hard game. Uh, I finished Star Tropics. Uh, which that was I- fun I to watch. Star- which was it's one of those games where i would love to be able to recommend star tropics it's one of those games that gets a lot it's got a very cult kind of following to it the first two-thirds of star tropics it's got like eight chapters the first two-thirds are really fun you know minor spikes in difficulty but they're 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 fair and then the last two levels just you're gaining heart containers the way you do in zelda throughout
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and um The the enemies deal like standard amounts of damage. So when you get hearts, it's actually beneficial to you. And then in the final stage or the final two stages, you have the full amount of hearts, but everything deals like instant kill damage. And it's like, why do I even have heart containers at this point? If you're just if it's a one hit kill, it's good game design. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so yeah, that 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 was frustrating. But uh, I generally speaking, I enjoyed my time with Star Tropics, Uh, and of course I have been playing Valheim um and the reason I I wanted to bring this one up last is because I think the the big thing I was talking about before about like yeah I've been playing Valheim the most out of all of us uh aside from having the most time out of all of us recently uh I've been doing like the tedious grinding work in Valheim for the server so like I've been mining and I've been gathering resources and not fighting bosses on my own just you know doing things to upgrade the the, the base yeah. for all of us um, because it's, it's kind of calming and it allows me to just, you know, put on some music and focus on the game and
3: uh, space out to the world around me, um, which, you know, I, I, I've been playing occasionally
2: with Zoidbird, but uh, mostly, mostly just grinding up materials for the, for the base. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I I've taken to it a little bit more than I thought I would. Um cool. I don't know that the gameplay cycle that I've been going through though is very exciting.
3: Cuz again, I've been doing like the Crossing, tedious man. stuff. People
0: well, uh, Animal Crossing sort, or sort, or sort of Animal become of. Sort of a chore for him. It's like part of his daily chores. Like he has to play Animal Crossing. <laughs> that that's a good way of describing it. Like it, it, it that's I why feel... I
1: stopped playing Animal
2: Crossing. Me too. <laughs> but but like that for some people that's yeah that that's what they want from the game and I think yeah, at I some that. point that that is you know how I feel about animal Animal Crossing. Uh we've talked about that game in the past. Like this is the longest I've played any Animal Crossing game consecutively. Um but anyway, that's enough about what I'm playing. I'm I'm constantly jumping between things. Um
1: cross a bunch of games. You've been off the backlog. that backlog man. Yeah.
2: You know I was until uh I took a bunch of I games off them. of Tabernst <laughs> hey and um and systems off of garens and now my backlog is back up like 30 games and then i bought a bunch of stuff for from the the, the playstation store because of yeah. you know the store shutting down so yeah like in the span of a day i went from oh yeah i've knocked out like 10 games in the last three just, or two two weeks to like oh hey uh, i just added another 30 games to the list <sighs> i it's gave up the
0: journey not the destination yeah, I gave him because I'm also going to be moving and So I'm just trying to get things I'm never going to play again. And yeah. I get I, I dropped off a box to him of my NES and all of its games, my Game Boy Advance and original Game Boy and all of my game. Not my Game Boy wow. Advance games, but my Game Boy Color and Game Boy games. Uh, Sega Genesis. And all my Genesis all games, of those games and game I, gear. I played, I played around Wheel of Fortune. I guess I can mention that too. terrible and game gear. I gave him all my game gear games, which I think there's like yeah. four of those. But
2: four of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I tested or I, I played Wheel of Fortune only because I was ripping all of your uh, Game Boy and Genesis games to my desktop. Um, and that one was like he you and I were talking and you said, yeah, I don't know if that one's going to work for you. It had some issues
0: once and I got it running like first try. Yeah, um, it might be the console, too. I don't know. So I, I, I got the entire thing packaged pretty cheap when I bought it. But yeah. I'm oh, sure. uh,
2: something I I actually kind of do want to touch on, though. Um, and maybe this is a topic for another another podcast that uh, because I was ripping all these games, I was like, I wonder if I can rip specific versions of certain games. When I do this, because one of the games that he gave me was Sonic and Knuckles. And, um, so I posted about this in the discord, but, oh, interesting. Uh, I think. but I really plugged wrong. in Sonic two and it was like, Oh, Hey, the ROM comes up as something completely different. In yeah. Yeah. The, the cartridge ripper it comes up as Sonic two plus Knuckles. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's neat. Wait a minute. Doesn't Sonic one create or trigger like the blue sphere game. It does And And it, and it creates, uh, it, it it gives you access to the ROM called like Blue Spheres One dot uh, bin in the Ripper, and wow. so it, it which is something like nine nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine uh, versions of Blue Sphere, which is um, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine versions too many. Which which I like <laughs> Blue Sphere, so I I played a round or two of Blue Sphere, but then of course you know when I ripped th- what should have been three games, I ended up with five ROMs. So, you know, that's that was pretty neat.
0: That's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I heard you. You were also talking about um, Sonic Spinball. I have that uh, one too. That one I will also, there was a couple of games I had on the Genesis that I wasn't sure were working and Spinball might have been one of them. I, um, I actually really like Spinball. It's pretty fun, but I, I
1: feel like I'm kind of a sucker for stuff like that. Like I I also really liked um, Metroid Prime Pinball on the DS. thought that was a fun So game. Th- First, there's that a whole
2: thing. series of like mascot character pinball uh games. pinball games and yeah, there's and like a kirby one t- the, there's a kirby one there's pokemon pinball and yeah and they're all kind of surprisingly good
0: yeah yeah they actually are well it's because it's hard to screw up pinball
2: well but but also they 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 fuse the the worlds of those games very well into the the gameplay itself
3: yeah exactly um,
2: but yeah so uh We'll, we'll we'll talk about the the cartridge dripping and stuff on another stream i'm sure because it's interesting enough um i guess the one thing i wanted to mention about what i've been playing is i've been avoiding ps1 games uh, i was hoping it would have arrived by today it's actually arriving tomorrow um i've got the, the the mem card plus or whatever it's called or pro which is the the digital ps1 memory card mm-hmm. showing up tomorrow oh cool uh so you plug in a, a micro SD card and like every gigabyte worth of space in the micro SD is uh, equivalent to having 8,000 memory cards plugged into your PlayStation. (laughs) So you're never going to need another memory card. Uh, Well, so I'm never going to need another memory card, but more interestingly, I'll be able to transfer my PlayStation saves wherever I want. Right. Because they'll be on an SD card. So if I want to, say, put them in my, uh, if I want to put them on my PSP, or if I want to put them on my PlayStation Classic, or um you know, transfer them to whatever other device.
1: Yeah. It'll that's be very easy
2: for me to do. And I I think that's just
3: kind of a neat thing to be able to do. For sure. Well, so basically. So I, I, I was just going to say, I, uh,
2: kind of moving from that, though, into tonight's topic. Uh, it's not today, but this year is the 20th anniversary of the Game Boy Advance. Happy birthday, um, Game Boy Advance. I also and I, wanted, I wanted to draw attention to, frostbite are those gba
1: boxes behind you on the windowsill those are my games that i'm going to talk about okay i was going to say because i think i can identify two or
2: three
0: of them mm-hmm. uh not bad so yeah and i and for the 20th birthday of game boy advance i gave mine to abc because i played my game Boy Advance games on my ds Lite, but um, Do we get to talk about that? <laughs> oh, okay. We have to I, I, before we get too into all the different hardware options and how the Game Boy Advance involved, I want ABC to show this. I, if you guys are listening to this um, on like Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts later, I apologize. If you're not gonna be able to see this. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, but I'll
2: I'll, I'll I'll post a picture of the the Game Boys to uh, to the Discord. So be sure to check the the podcast discussion. So basically, my my Game Boy so, Advance
0: has been in storage for well, four years. <laughs> That's what it's so supposed this, to look like. Th-
2: this is this is what I think it's a glacier or whatever the, the like light blue or purple. I
1: believe. Uh,
2: yeah. GBA yeah. came out on launch. This was the the original coloration of it. Mm. This is Burns.
1: Wow.
0: It's been in storage in a box <laughs> for oh, four years.
3: <laughs> My
0: God. It's not it's supposed to color. look like that. <laughs> I pulled it out when I was, you know, going how through How does that happen?
2: Okay, so the, the plastics used on a lot of uh, Nintendo hardware contained bromine um, as a fire retardant. And it has a, a property where if it's left out in the sun or exposed to intense amounts of UV light, uh, it causes a yellowing effect to the plastic. Uh, it's entirely reversible it just needs to store it on your roof or something. Well, like if it sat in a windowsill, like then, then it would have been exposed to enough light over time. Um, but yeah, it's entirely reversible. I intend to do it at some point. Uh, incidentally, his, I've got three Game Boy advances here of the original variety. Um, and his is the only one without a back plate, the, the battery cover. So that actually, I, I ordered
0: a replacement for that. Yeah, that broke. Um, I actually know what happened to that one. That one did break. I think I still had it, but it whatever. It, I got the console when I was twelve. Yeah. Um, but now now ABC has it. And you know, we are gonna talk, you know, Game Boy Advance, you know, Happy birthday, Game Boy Advance. Um you know, it went through a lot of iterations. I mentioned I could play my games on a DS Lite, but um actually ABC Frostbite and I all had different first Game Boy Advances. Um that yellow one that ABC held up, and we'll post that picture on Discord because it's just Okay, it's messed up. <laughs> that was my first Game Boy Advance, and I got that, like I guess, I think for my 12th birthday, um, along with uh, Warrior Land 4. will get back to Warrior Land 4. Uh, and, you know, that, that console, two AA batteries, so we're predating uh, a rechargeable system. It
3: has no backlight, and it's the uh, horizontal, uh, you know, that's the best way I put it. Like uh,
2: landscape. It's it's, oriented, it's the better format for for It's controls. like a
1: it's like a yeah. controller shaped yes. thing
2: with a screen, right? Yeah, it's,
1: that's it's, a
2: good way to put it. It's like they slapped a screen between an NES controller.
0: Yeah,
1: that that's a good
2: way to put it.
0: Um with, cool. an R&L uh, <laughs> with an R and L button. With an R and L button. And yeah, you know, that was my first Game Boy Advance. Um, that one oh. was around for a few years, and then ABC, you got. Uh, I think the next iteration of um, Game Boy Advance, which was so yeah,
2: I I, I waited because I had I think gotten a Game Boy Color a year or so prior to the GBA's announcement. Um, and so I've got my original Game Boy Advance SP here. Uh, it was the earlier version, the AGS one hundred uh, or zero zero one. Sorry, where it had a uh, a front light, not a backlight um a light <laughs> well it had a light but you, if if you've seen the difference between that and the later revision of the the same system uh the AGS 101 those ones are actually backlit and have like three different levels of of lighting um the the screens used on those were used on later DS models oh yeah so so uh the the AGS 101 is sought after not only because you know it's the better SP version, but uh, also because people like to transplant those screens into the original wide uh, Game Boy Advances.
0: Yeah, but like I said, you had a light. I used to have to hold a flashlight you know, yep. like this.
3: And, you,
0: know, uh, you know, very awkwardly because I needed both hands to play. Um, but I think the SP, by the way, is my favorite design of the Game Boy Advance. Kind of wish I had one, but don't need one now. But Frostbite's got a I, th- I want to try and track down one of these. I think if I'm going to buy another Game Boy Advance, perhaps, but you said you had the Game Boy Advance Micro.
1: Yeah, so, well, actually, um, it's just the Game Boy Micro. Gotta,
0: oh, yeah. It's just,
1: I got to correct you a little bit there. I, I did actually, my first Game Boy Advance was actually the original model, like you. Um, so I did have that one. In fact, I still, I was just looking I, I at it. Around, I have it right around here somewhere. I can't remember where I put it, but, yeah. I did have the original one, but then I I skipped over the SP, never got an SP, but then I got the micro when it came out, and I think they didn't solve very many of these things. And I'm, at the time, a lot of people were like, "What the heck is that? Oh, I got my fancy. I'll take my SP, thank you very much." <laughs> but um, there it is. I, I think that's so cool. It's, it's very cool. I, I honestly love it. Um, I got. A, I'm trying to hold it where right, you so you can. Yeah, that's Mario and Luigi that.
2: Superstar Saga. That is Mario and so Luigi
1: Superstar
0: Saga. Yeah train uh,
1: it's um honestly like such a good device just for playing Game Boy Advance games. It does not play Game Boy Color or original. It only plays Advance games. Right. Um, but it's such a tiny little compact little package. Fits right in your pocket. Um, can plug headphones into it. Uh, it's got a very nice like because the screen's so small, everything looks great because the pixel density is so high. And then. Yeah. It also um, had really nice face plates. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You could change the face plates as well. Uh, And I'm pretty sure select an L and
2: R, if I'm not mistaken, changes the brightness level.
1: uh, No, it's um, so it has volume buttons on the side. And then if you hold down select or hold, hold down L and press the volume buttons, it changes. Gotcha. You probably can't really it's, it, but it's yeah. Things
2: yeah. Things. I I remember reading about it. Uh, something that we didn't note when we were talking about the SP is that uh, no version of the SP had a had a uh headphone jack. Um, the, oh, really? the back of the SP has uh two ports for it. One is the uh, Game Boy Advance Link cable port, and the other one is the wall charger plug. Um, the Nintendo sold an official dongle. This is, you know, way before Apple did the exact same thing, uh, where you could turn that into a, you can adapt it into a, a headphone jack. The difference is that the, uh, the one for, for from Nintendo actually split, so it was one, one part of the wire turned into the headphone jack, and the other just went on to become an extension of that original charge cord. <laughs> Super Nintendo controller for scale.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's so solid. Anyone listening on audio format, but.
2: Uh, The other thing to note is I'm pretty sure the of the various models, the the micro actually had the best D pad of the the three versions. Um, I think because the 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 one on the Game Boy Advance is a little mushy and it's tiny, whereas the one on the SP is very flat. It doesn't like it's clicky, but it doesn't your your finger kind of slides off because there's no grip to it whereas like the, the largest of the three is actually on the micro which is weird um yeah. yeah but then like in terms of Game Boy advance there are plenty of games or plenty of platforms that played Game Boy advance games uh um, yeah. and i've got most of them here i didn't want to <laughs> unscrew i d- didn't want to take my gamecube off the wall but um well, so obviously start with the obvious yeah so let's start with the obvious uh the Nintendo DS, the original Nintendo DS, has this lovely slot at the bottom, slot two. Uh it's a Game Boy Advanced slot. Um same with the DS Lite. Same with the DS Lite. DS Lite actually yeah, came with a cover. Too. So I've got one of those here. It did. I don't know what
0: happened to my cover, because I do have my DS Lite. Again, I, I my stuff oh, Wait, I hold on. Is yours the,
2: the is yours the red on top in the
0: it is, yeah. <laughs> it is <exactly laughs> the
3: exact same one. Same
1: one. <laughs> I, I just um, have a black one somewhere.
2: So, <laughs> and and I guess kind of notable about the DS is uh, it had this wrist strap, which you might look at it and think is kind of goofy looking. Except that if you look back on every version of the Game Boy, I think from the color onward, they all had the loop for the wrist strap. And it was like a very big thing in in, in Japan was to like have the wrist straps for that you could attach to like your bag. Um, and uh, the the Game Boy Advance the original one has it as well it's uh where is it i was just looking at it before the
1: micro has it too i i remember uh, oh it's
0: right there so weird i, I almost thought that was so you didn't accidentally throw it through your television while you were bowling.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> please remember to go outside every few minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yeah so so there's those are the options in terms of handhelds um in terms of uh, plugging in a, a Game Boy cart into your TV, there were actually quite a few options. So, uh, the Game Boy player for the game, GameCube. That's the most well-known. Uh, it's the most well-known. It's, uh, effectively a, a platform that the, the GameCube sits on. It actually turns the GameCube into a cube. Uh, <laughs> once it's been attached, it, it fixes the dimensions so that it's actually a cube. Um,
1: I uh, and I have that, a bit that of a love is, hate relationship with that device because uh, while um while it does work very well and it's great being able to play those games on your TV, the GameCube controller is not great for
2: all right, playing games. So, Game so I Advance. was going to get back to that, but okay, uh, we can address that. The GameCube controller has a terrible D pad. Yeah, uh, I believe it uses the same D pad as the original Game Boy Advance, uh, which Makes unfortunately sense. for that controller is tiny. Um, third-party hardware producer Hori, uh, who had previously done other controllers specific for, uh, things like the super game boy also did one for the game boy player, which has no analog sticks, but then has a, uh, a proper D pad on the left side of the controller, like a super Nintendo size sized D pad on the left side of the controller, uh, the L and R buttons are kind of it, the entire thing kind of looks and feels like a Super Nintendo controller, except with the GameCube button layout on the right side.
1: Except if you um, didn't buy ex- one of those uh, 15 years ago. Now they know they like $300 okay, so, or so.
2: They, they do, except that there are now uh, new reproduction versions of those controllers, which are apparently good. Uh, so
1: which are also not available in Canada. So. Oh,
2: well. My apologies, I didn't know about that. Good job, Ken. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the Game Boy Player is one thing, uh, but things to note about the Game Boy Player is that the even though it had the, the it's literally just Game Boy Advance hardware shoved into this platform that, that the GameCube sits on. yeah, um, But different from uh, the actual Game Boy Advance, it does not run at the proper speeds or at the proper resolutions on a, on a GameCube. Uh, because the software that they used to run the the hardware wasn't accurate to to the Game Boy Advance um, if you wanted to if you want to use one of those devices now there's all sorts of homebrew hardware that you can access with nothing more than an action replay disk and a and a micro or an SD card memory card adapter and if you do that it's actually like perfect emulation of the of the the specs of a game boy advance and it runs at the right speeds and it looks good mm. uh and that can be scaled to the size of your tv if you really want to um it's probably my preferred way to play the, on the game boy advance um but there are two other options for for game boy advance play uh one of them i don't know if you've ever seen this is the Vistion car adapter uh that one's new to me actually Okay, so th- there was this great video by My Life in Gaming on YouTube about it. Highly recommend you check it out. It's effectively a, a a screen for like for minivans where it uh it had a Game Boy Advance slot. So think like the you know the those those minivan DVD player right uh, attachments, but it's a Game Boy Advance.
3: I can't invest so, a lot of money in that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it, it, it's just it's a funny thing. If you go look it up; it's it's ridiculous looking. Um, so, so that's one thing. And the other is I'm not sure how familiar familiar with them uh, you are, but the Game Boy Advance has recently had all sorts of uh, great hardware modifications that have come out for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of those mods is the uh, the Game Boy Advance Consolizer, which takes the board of a Game Boy Advance, plugs it into a uh, 3D printed case, uh, attaches a Super Nintendo controller port to it, and then outputs via HDMI.
3: Wow, that so, sounds cool.
2: Um which is super neat and it it's it's literally just a Game Boy Advance with the Super Nintendo controller attached to it. I, I like that. Um and you know it, it's it's pretty much plug and play. Uh, you can get you look those up that's really neat. And of course, Analog has their Analog Pocket coming out sometime this year, which is supposed to also play Game Boy Advance. So, And we'll have a dock that connects to the TV. So there's lots of great options. only as much as a
1: PS5. It only
2: costs as much as a PS5, and there's no sense as to whether or not those are going to continually be delayed. Um, really, the takeaway here, though, is there's a lot of ways to play the Game Boy Advance. It's a much-loved system, even 20 years later. Uh, and there's good reason for that. Because it it has, um, it's it's both a solid piece of hardware and you know it had an extensive library.
0: You know the the, uh, the other thing to remember is handheld gaming before this you know, we had Game Boy, we had Game Gear, which um, the Game Boy Color, which was a pretty big step up, but the Game Boy Advance really doubled what we had seen from handheld gaming in the past. Uh, you know, the first game that came out with it. Um, which I think is fine to talk about right now, Super Mario Advance, a glorified remake of Super Mario Bros. 2, but the vibrancy alone of Super Mario Advance showed what the console was capable of and showed why it was so important. Uh, you take um, you know, games on the Game Boy Color versus Super Mario Advance, and you can see it's bigger, it's more powerful, it's brighter, it's it's smoother, it, it just—I don't know. I was pretty wowed the first time I saw that, and I was like eleven years old.
2: So, so we talked about this briefly in the, I think, in the Mario episode, maybe in the the uh, gaming Easter eggs episode, that um, that game opens with like a little demo of the four characters walking on screen from like a darkened area off screen, mm-hmm. and as they enter, the the full screen like brightens up and shows you a, a full brightens up as as well as the original game boy advance could um and shows you the the full screen but like that original square that like they're walking into from off screen Mm -hmm. uh is the resolution of the of the game boy color um and it was meant to be like this big demo like look at how you know how big the screen is how much real estate we can use and how much uh we can fit on here um because, you know, like they had remade Super Mario Brothers a few years prior on the Game Boy Color. And to see the difference between that and effectively what is a port of, or a remake of the Super Mario All-Stars version of Mario 2 uh, with a bunch of added things. But like it's, it's graphically the difference in, watch, in jumping from the NES to the SNES.
0: Yeah, it really was. And for a handheld system, that was impressive. A handheld system that would eventually go on to actually port a lot of super nintendo games several i actually owned <laughs> i believe I, you know i i think i mentioned i got the console and I, I think i pretty sure i got it for my 12th birthday and uh the first game i got was wario land four um and i had played although i didn't own wario land three and that the same mechanics the same moves but a smoother experience was really like what sold me on the whole thing um you know i went on to i had a couple of mario Advance games Metroid games they're just it, it reminded me of a super nintendo in your hand um link to the past got ported um in my mind uh an inferior port to the original but uh a solid game i mean if you're if you haven't played link to the past that's a good way to do it um others there was another zelda game minish cap like there's you know, a lot of classic games on this console that like, you know, even now they hold up. They really
2: do. And I mean, as kind of a testament to the to the power of the thing, they ported, they actually literally ported a bunch of uh, NES games, right? There was the, the classic, the NES classics or whatever they called it, series uh, of games, or the Fam- Famicom Mini as they called it in Japan, and they were just straight up NES games on cartridges yep. um, that I, I don't even think they use the full resolution of the the GPA like the whole thing is that they, they it, it was to show like oh this is such a big step compare this to the other games that you're playing on the system um, and, his- and there's all sorts of great games in that, in that series that even you know just compared to their contemporaries like why would I ever play Castlevania 1 when We've got all these awesome looking widescreen Castlevania games on the system.
0: Yeah. And oh my you're talking about power. How about the uh, video collections that came out for the Game Boy Advance? Pokemon episodes and SpongeBob SquarePants episodes just in and a cartridge. Shrek. Shrek. And Shrek. And Shrek. Just in Game Boy Advance cartridges that you just pop in and watch. Because clearly the Game Boy Advance is the console that you want to watch Spongebob on. <laughs> you can, but, but you can
2: only use those Game Boy Advance video carts on the handheld platforms. They won't function on any of the. On any of the console attachments, uh, they were designed specifically not to run on like the Game Boy player. Right.
0: Um, but it certainly showed you that, you know, what was, you know, this thing predated smartphones, right? There was no such thing as watching YouTube on your phone. Except unless you accidentally hit you know the browser button on your old flip phone, and then immediately had to start hitting end over and over and over again, so you didn't get charged a whack load of money. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, like people were watching watching episodes of Pokemon in their pocket. That was great. I never had any of those cards. I kind of wish I had a few of them just for the 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 walls.
2: They're probably cheap. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so so I I asked you guys uh, a question. About a week ago, while we were preparing for this, because you can go look up top five or top ten lists on on Game Boy Advance games um, online, and you know, and the the same names come up over and over again because Mm -hmm. it's you know, it's the Mario's, the Zelda's. People always put the first party stuff. Although I don't think all of Nintendo's first party offerings on the system were great, Uh, but I I think the since The Game Boy Advance is kind of having a renaissance in terms of people's acknowledgement of it. You know, you can go buy Game Boy Advance games on things like the Wii U and, you know, maybe hopefully we'll get access to some of them one day on Switch. Um, Or we'll get remakes like, or ports like the ones that Capcom has put out with the Mega Man Zero games. Um, But I asked you guys to come up with kind of a, if you could recommend five GBA games to, for people to go check out, because mm-hmm. GBA is still relatively cheap, easy mm-hmm. to go collect, uh, used online. What would you choose? What would you want to show people, and you know, give us a little reason why? So, uh, Frostbite, why don't we begin with you? What? <sighs> yeah, I know, spot. catching off guard here. But I, I, I know that uh, Cabrens and I probably will overlap a little bit with each other. So there's gonna be some overlap between
0: me and Frostbite be. as well, I think.
1: Yeah. Um I I okay well um sure. Let me I'll, I wasn't expecting to go first but uh um so yeah, I've got I've actually got my, my my games lined up right here behind me. Um you probably can't really probably can't see them that well. But that's okay. Um But yeah, the first game that I would really recommend to people and I think I tried to avoid this but it, it's probably like one of it's probably one of the best known best rated gba games it's not like a a sleeper hit or a lesser known one or anything but it's probably my number one gba game so i had to put it on the list is uh mario and luigi superstar saga it's fantastic and i know this is on cabern's list as well (laughs) frankly i was i was expecting that you would go before me and then i wouldn't have to uh
0: say that much about it so <laughs> you can save it if you want i'll, I'll i will i can i can take it if you want
1: uh, well uh, i'll just say like um you know uh i picked it up when it came out um not i think probably the day it came out i bought it but like not really knowing that much of what to expect except that like oh it's gonna be kind of like super mario rpg which was a great game so um and man this game just, like, I could not put it down, like start to finish. um, Super, super fun. Uh, It's just got that like fun Mario energy. Um, Some really, really top notch animation and artwork in that game. Just like. Like the kind of. okay, like the, the writing. The writing in the game—it's so well written, and like it's there's so much humor in it that it had me legitimately laughing out loud at times. But even just the animations sometimes are enough to make you laugh um, it, in that game because they're so well done. Um, and
2: so, something to note about that is they remade this game on the 3DS, and I I've seen bits and pieces of it, mm. and I feel like all of the charm is stripped out of a lot of those animations. That's
3: a shame. There's just
2: some. There's just something about those original sprites that is just. So well done.
1: Yeah, it's really, really nice. And uh, it's just like they took the idea. So, you know, if you've played Super Mario RPG, um, Legend of the Seven Stars, uh, that game took, tried to basically meld a Final Fantasy game and a Mario game, right? So they have like these mechanics where you're, you're attacking with Mario by jumping on the opponents and you've got a time you're you're you can time your button press to do some extra damage they carried that over they carried that over into superstar saga but they like they really just like took that and ran with it so you know you've got all like just really really uh, such engaging combat like i can't i have a hard time getting into jrpgs especially um with uh the like turn-based battles or as i call them menu-based battles um but like the mario games the mario rpg games especially um, Superstar Saga, they keep you engaged throughout the combat because you've got to time all your you've got all these like timing based actions you can do extra damage by timing your attacks you can avoid damage by timing jumping over attacks or hitting stuff with hammers and and the way they do like the A button is Mario the B button is Luigi it's, it's just like well designed. Perfect. Yeah, it's such a great game it's a 10 out of 10 for, for me um, as I said, probably my number one my number one gba game so i had to had to put it on the list um uh, i'll uh, let... just yeah
2: to quickly interject uh the the developer alpha dream is now defunct but the original team that worked on superstar saga actually came over f- many of them came over from the square team that worked on uh mario rpg which is mm-hmm. why that game has such a similar feel uh compared to paper mario which was a intelligent systems game so uh two completely different streams of rpg mario but like one of them very much had like the the lifeblood of mario rpg and that was super star saga
1: onwards sure it's it's had a few sequels unfortunately none of them can quite hold up to the original but they're all crap
0: i know there's disagreement there it's that's a topic for a different day but they're all crap (laughs)
1: um but yeah, moving on to the next game on my list. Um, it is uh, Mega Man Zero. So um, I've always been a Mega Man fan since I was a little kid playing NES. <laughs> but uh, Mega Man Zero is really like top form for Mega Man games as far as I'm concerned. So it was developed by uh, Inti Um it was still going today, still making really cool 2D stuff, uh, and it was uh you know, original Mega Man Guy KG and um it was before Mighty Number no. Nine. We'll not discuss that game, but uh, <laughs> it, never again.: Yeah, but it's really like a proper successor to the 2D Mega Man X series um. When you know the last few Mega Man X games were really starting to flounder, they tried to do some 3D stuff with it and it wasn't really working. So, this was like a return to form for Mega Man in 2D. Um, the game looks fantastic, like really, really nice artwork. Pretty much what you'd expect from Into Creates if you've played any of their more recent stuff. Um, it just has that, that true Mega Man feel, you know, like just superb, tight controls, fast paced action. Um, and it's definitely got the Mega Man <laughs> level of difficulty as well. I was uh, going to
2: say and you guys called me a glutton for punishment. This is like literally one of the hardest Mega Man games ever. <laughs> um,
1: uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but it, I, it's definitely got its challenges. Yeah, that that's true. But, it, but it's the kind of something else that brings me to like some of the other cool stuff about it is that um, you can it's got some RPG elements so you can actually you can learn you you get new weapons you learn new abilities for your weapons you can um they get more powerful the more you use them so you and you can also return to previous missions previous stages to access areas that maybe you couldn't before you can find more health upgrades um like yeah it's kind of, it's got sort of like rpg elements like that where you get more powerful as you go and you can sort of grind in a way to make yourself more powerful um which is kind of cool because they it's like felt a little more like an open world, almost like a Metroidvania sort of uh, compared to previous Mega Man games. Um, also, uh, it actually had a kind of an interesting story um, as far as Mega Man games go, and it actually picks up outright after the Mega Man X series as well. Like it's a continuous tells a continuous story and it involves some of the same characters. And that's kind of neat, I think. Yeah. yeah, um and let's be and honest it's, uh, it's who, available on all sorts of platforms now. Oh yeah yeah, it's on it's on they've got the Mega Man 0 uh collection out now so uh, it's a, that's a really great collection um if you're into Mega Man games highly recommend that. Um but also I mean like who doesn't want to be Zero? If you ever played Mega Man X like I remember being a kid and being like whoa who's that <laughs> who's that girl with the long hair? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's actually He's a guy, but uh, he's just like this badass. Like they basically set it up in the first Mega Man X game when he you're like you get you get your ass kicked by um, uh, spoiler alerts. Can't remember his name now, but by vile, but vile. Yeah. And then and then zero shows up and just like takes him down in, in one shot, and you're like, whoa, yeah, I spo- want to be this guy. Spo- spoilers! Caberns hasn't played it's, Man X It's yet. literally the first guys, five minutes it, of the game. You get can't... It, get, us,
2: get, get us to affiliate or, and uh, Caberns is playing... is, is going to play uh, Mega Man X for us. Yeah, 13 followers to go,
1: guys.
3: And, Tell your uh, friends.
1: And Zero's theme is still a banger. You know, <laughs> 30 years later. Oh yeah, it's a great theme. Uh, okay, but moving on. I don't want to take too much time here. So, no, no, but... go for it. Take, take the time you need. Um, Convince people to get play these games. Okay, I, I apologize, guys, but I cheated a little bit here because my <sighs> next game is actually two games. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
3: because
1: I just couldn't decide. So I wanted to bring up Castlevania games. Um, I know one of you guys is going to talk about some castlevania stuff as well but so i wanted to mention uh i was, i really wanted to put talk about aria of Sorrow, um but because i know you're going to talk about circle of the moon circle of the moon i wanted to pr- also bring up the forgotten the the far superior the, the forgotten the two child games. well the, no i wanted to bring up like I, three get, right har- <laughs> harmony of, i wanted to bring up harmony of dissonance because um this one I feel like I feel like it it gets overlooked a lot um and uh it's actually it's a great game so it, there's some notable things about Harmony of Dissonance this was the first new Castlevania title from Iga from Koji Igarashi since Symphony of the Night um so this is like the the successor game to Symphony of the Night um and it came out after Circle of the Moon um but it did some like it made some improvements on, on what they did with Circle of the Moon. It had like the typical, just beautiful, bright, colorful artwork that you'd expect from an Igarashi Castlevania game. Um, the huge enemy sprites. Um also like in my opinion, just plays like the controls are just feel way better than than Circle of the Moon. Um, they also wanted to give it a larger map. Uh and they did some really cool things, like they brought the the original sub weapons, uh, Castlevania sub weapons, like you know the dagger, the uh, the cross, the holy water. They brought all that back for this game, but in a new way, where instead of just like, you know, you can toss them and it consumes your hearts. Now you combine them with spell effects to create new abilities. Basically, um, this kind of is a, it's a cool game. It it was criticized a lot for. It's music and sound, which I will admit is the weaker aspect of it. It kind of sounds like an original Game Boy game
3: at that's, times. That's weird. I was
2: going to say, it, it got a lot of flack for its visuals when it came out as well because it it did so much of a course correction from Circle of the Moon uh, with its its yeah. bright visuals. Right. Um, it, it uses like... So so we, we talked briefly about the, the shitty screen on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Circle of the Moon, a game that we will eventually talk about, is incredibly dark. It uses a very muted palette and, uh, on that GBA screen, not very visible. I'm sure on whatever test hardware that they were using when they were developing it, it looked fine, but, uh, it's like all Browns and grays and it's, it's rough to look at. Uh, but they course corrected by making like you have a blue outline that, that is harmony of dissonance, right? You've got like a blue outline around your character. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of like bright purples and and mm-hmm. similar colors that pop on the shitty GBA screen, but people critically were kind of like, eh, it's it's a little much to look at.
1: That's fair, but okay. Um, let's let's just move on to the true king of Castlevania on the GBA, which is Aria of Sorrow. Um, this is another like total ten out of ten. Um, probably in my opinion, the best Castlevania game since at the time it came out the best one since symphony of the night um it's uh they just took they took everything they did f- you know for harmony of dissonance they threw out what didn't work they changed stuff for the better um and it's a fantastic game like just uh, they they brought the game into the, uh, the modern day which is kind of interesting like it's a cool story with, with a couple of twists and some returning uh characters from the from the franchise um you know the trademark multiple endings multiple game modes like you can play as some of the other characters from the side characters and stuff um also they they created the uh tactical soul system it's called where you can by killing monsters you have a chance to gather their their soul which can give you some kind of ability um which that system basically lives on practically untouched in uh in, in bloodstained blood right? ritual of yeah. the night. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Iga must have really thought that that, <laughs> that that system worked. Um and uh I gotta mention like in my opinion uh this game made way for what I think is an even better sequel which was the uh which was Dawn of Sorrow on the DS.
3: That that's like one of my favorite DS games, but that's for for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Um
1: but yeah, that's those are the uh the Castlevanias, the, the the my favorite Castlevanias of the of the GBA. Um
3: my next game is uh Tales of Fantasia, which I think this game uh I there it's uh okay so this was the first time that this game
1: this game originally came out in on the uh, Super Nintendo in 1995 I think yeah that's what I wrote down um but it never got localized um it also got a it also got a PlayStation 1 release in 1998 which which did not get localized so this was the first time that you could officially play Tales of Phantasia um outside of Japan and um It was my first experience with the game. And for me, it was right after having played um, Tales of Symphonia on the GameCube. And that was my first Tales game. Um, And so Fantasia um, is uh, being a Super Nintendo game. um, You know, a step back in graphical fidelity and all that. But I loved the game. Like, uh, there's another one that I couldn't put down. Is a really cool uh if you've played Symphony or Symphony of night, if
3: you've played uh, <laughs> Symphonia,
1: uh that game you can play through in multiplayer, which is a really cool. Um, but Fantasia is, is strictly single player, so uh you have to kind of um sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you if you haven't played a Tails game before, it's kind of like what I honestly all always wished Final Fantasy w- was you know, <laughs> back in the day but it's basically like a JRPG but the battles are completely uh action based so it's almost like it's almost like, it's like side scrolling almost like you're playing a fighting game it's like street fighter but like you've got a team of four characters and then there's a bunch of enemies over here so you do you have two attack buttons and you can modify which attack you're doing by pressing forward or up or down or whatever with the attack button um uh so yeah for me that's like totally that makes the that that's the J- jrpg experience that i want and um what's interesting in tales of fantasia like the the battles are actually they get really difficult um so it actually requires quite a high level of strategy and what you can do is um first of all your other teammates you're controlling one character the other teammates that you're not controlling you can kind of program their ai to act However, you want them to act. Um, and then the other thing you can do is you can pause combat mid-battle to give specific commands. So you can be like, okay, this you've gotta you've gotta heal this guy, and then you've gotta cast a fireball, and then I'm gonna go do this. So it's like um yeah, just like a really cool mix of of action and strategy, in my opinion. Also, the game has um has uh has some voice acting in it, which it even had back on the original Super Nintendo version which is pretty impressive for for Game Boy Advance that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um like your characters all their attacks are fully voiced and like stuff like that. Um game also has really nice artwork. Uh apparently the GBA game <clears throat> apparently the GBA game uses a mix of assets from the Super Nintendo and PlayStation versions. Um also apparently according to the community the GBA version is the worst version. Uh, like it's supposedly, so, so it's impressive that you're still recommending yeah, it in spite of it's that, It's the right? only version that I've played. And for me, I thought it was great. But apparently the other versions play a little bit better. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if you, I think if it's the only one you've ever played, it still, still seems fine. Honestly, uh, if anything, you just sold it as a game that you have to play no matter where you play it. Yeah, pretty much. I think if you like if you like JRPGs or, um, you know, like action based RPGs, if you like the tales of series, um, or if you just like, you know, I don't know, strategy, just, just play it. Okay. Just just, like, if you like games, just, just just play it, just play it guys. It's fine. That, that,
2: that, that's a good recommendation.
1: It actually had a, a pretty cool story too, from what I remember. Um,
3: Yeah, but my final game, my final game is uh, Fire Emblem, which
1: on for, you know, our North American release uh, is just called Fire Emblem. However, and it was the first Fire Emblem game we ever got in North America in. um, In Japan, it's called Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade. Um, And it's like the seventh Fire Emblem game, I believe. (laughs) Yep.
2: Yeah,
3: uh, it's,
1: right. it's the, and it came out after the
2: game that technically would be a sequel to it.
1: Yeah, so it's a prequel to, uh, yeah, to the one to, before to it, the Binding Blade. The Binding Blade. That's right. Yeah.
2: So it, it, before you continue, it's actually kind of funny. I don't have this game. I've played this game, but I have a a bootleg copy of the English ROM hack of the Binding Blade, but I don't have this one because um, I wanted—I hadn't played Fire Emblem 6. I'd played a bunch of the ones before it. But, oh, really? And A bunch of the ones after it, but not Fire Emblem 6, so I bought uh,
1: a ROM hack version of it. So for most of us in North America, our first introduction to Fire Emblem was uh, Smash Bros. Melee and we were like, who, who the heck is Marth? Who's this Lady Marth? And <laughs> and this guy, Roy. Um, and uh, Roy's our boy. <laughs> boy, that's right so uh <laughs> so after the you know because i guess because of that and it kind of created a little bit of hype um they decided like hey let's release the next one everywhere so it came out um uh everywhere at the same time um and it was created to be an entry point to the series for people in north america or people uh, I guess Europe too. I think maybe is the first one there. I'm not 100%. Sure. I'm pretty sure it was never
0: localized to English at all.
1: Yeah. Mm. So uh, it, it was created it, to be it, an entry point. So it still acts as like a pretty good introduction to the series today. Um, and uh, I mean, because it's the seventh game in the series, it already has like just the the, the game is already so finely tuned that it just plays perfectly. Um and for g b a like I don't know there's so many great looking games on g b a but yeah, this one's definitely up there, like really just beautiful sprite work and all of that
3: um, so
2: just just to add to that, uh this game had two or three campaigns in the game, and like one of them effectively acts as a as a de- dedicated uh tutorial for for new players um if you had if you were in in Japan when this game came out, you could link up previous game to it and it would automatically bypass that cam- campaign um, <laughs> so you could be like I don't need to play Lynn's campaign yeah. I, I've already I've already played a Fire Emblem game before I, I know my stuff and yeah, you so just skip you into one of the main
1: campaigns that's nice um, um,
2: uh, but that, yeah that is not available in the North American
1: release and I didn't I didn't even know this at the time the one I originally played it but apparently one of the main characters um, wood, is actually Roy's father <laughs> yeah because it's a prequel to Roy's game, which was the Binding Blade. Um, It is... I will say, though, um, this game is incredibly difficult, and uh, it's back... You know, it's got the whole permadeath thing going on. If you want to save your characters, you got to turn off your game and reload (laughs) and try again, basically, Um, which I remember doing a lot. Uh, But funny story, actually. uh, You... You'd have to have a pretty keen eye, but you that's actually not the correct Fire Emblem game on my windowsill there. Uh, I was going to say, isn't that uh isn't that the Sacred Stones back there? Yeah, this is the Sacred Stones. And the reason for that is my copy of the original Fire Emblem actually was stolen
3: oh, from me. No. Oh no. Uh oh,
1: a no long t- a long time ago. And uh I don't exactly remember the details of that, but my, let's just say um my sister had uh some questionable friends back in high school. <laughs> but uh, um, no, uh so the game was the game went missing. I'm pretty sure somebody stole it from me from from my house one time, but uh I kept the box hoping that it would turn up somewhere for like years. I kept that box and then eventually it was like, nah, it's gone. I'm getting rid of
0: the box. It's, it's I, now
1: time. I, I kind of wish I'd kept the box now so I could just get a new cartridge and just yeah, I was, I, I was going to say at that point you could just place the cartridge, but
2: back in the day that cart still would cost you like thirty, forty dollars.
1: Yeah, so. I think I looked into it like at the time and I was like, oh, I don't know if it's worth it. But uh But yeah, I mean Sacred Stones is also very good, but uh I had to mention, you know, the the original one as just being the first one that I ha- ever had access to. And I, I immediately was like, This just loved it. So
3: series i think i've played all of them since awesome cool that, that was five uh, games well technically uh, six but i, I won't, won't tell
2: anybody still caberns <laughs> I, th- I i think you should go next otherwise you're gonna have two games that overlap
0: with our list <laughs> all right um well i'll start with the overlap then is frostbite and i did overlap on one so actually before i get started for those who have watched my streams know anything about me there's gonna be some surprises here for one, there's not going to be one Legend of Zelda game on this list, <laughs> not one. Um, and that's wait, hold up!
2: You mean a- NES Classics Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link isn't on your
0: isn't on your list? Zelda Two can. <laughs> know, uh, Zelda Two and I are not friends. Let's just put it that way. But um, that's a story for a different day. Um, I will just say this about this because I don't think any of us are going to talk too much about Zelda. Um, minish cap is not one of my favorite zelda games i i'm actually replaying it right now i mentioned that earlier Um, i have a lot of issues with the way that that game is designed Um, some of the uh randomness and the rng components of that game make it frustrating um so it's just not one of my favorites and i wouldn't recommend it especially as an entry point to the legend of zelda franchise and it's just not worthy of this list as for Link to the past four swords um that was the link to the past remake and the four swords inclusion four swords is a very mediocre game abc and i played it through when we were kids the two of us and we beat it in one sitting and we were like 12 <laughs> so like yeah it's not and and it was four swords was eventually ported to the to the dsi yeah which i have the anniversary edition it's it's okay but it's not great no again not a good entry point to legend of zelda and link to the past the port is good but it's not the best and i've just Go play it on Super Nintendo. So for a Game Boy Advance list, Legend of Zelda does not fit in here. Maybe that's Nintendo's biggest fault was was, uh, the way that they did Legend of Zelda on Game Boy Advance. But my list is a little different. Um, So I'll start with the overlap, though, uh, with with Frostbite, um, which was... There it is. Mario Luigi Superstar Saga. I couldn't not recommend this game. Everything that Frostbite said about this game is just true. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, I actually bought it after I think ABC had it, and I played it on his Game Boy Advance. And then I went out and bought it myself because it was that good. And I don't do that very often. Um, I'd rather just borrow it from somebody, but no, I had to actually have this game. Um, it's it's This actually re- happened once or
2: twice between the two of us where we'd play a game that the other had, and the next day it'd be like,
0: oh. When did you get a copy? It's like I went out right <laughs> after seeing you and, yeah. and bought my own copy. And that's exactly what I did with Superstar Saga. It was that good. <laughs> my confession, I didn't beat it when I first played it. I got right to the final boss and then Bowlet. Cac- is hard. Bowletta.
3: Bowletta is hard.
0: I've got uh, my
1: I just look I just press start game. Here's my save file. Uh oh it's kind of blurry there, you can't see. It. But it's uh, I've got 18 hours and 18 minutes, uh, level 39, 9,999 coins. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I, I uploaded my save to my computer, so it is preserved
0: long beyond the lifetime of that cartridge. Uh, but I, I'm just correcting Cackletta is the midway boss. Bowletta is the final boss. And... Well, Cacletta is the spirited side. Of it. Oh, yeah, I thought, Spoilers. <laughs> um, but it's a very hard final boss. So the, my very first time playing it, I was underleveled. I played it through again a year later. And then I beat it. It's the only Mario and Luigi game I've ever beaten. Because as I said, the others are crap. I got to the end of, I think, Partners in Time on DS. And Rage quit that final boss and never again touched that game. Um, but Superstar Saga is, in my opinion, a masterpiece. You know what I just thought about it? I have
2: the Nintendo Power strategy guide for that game. For which one? Superstar Super saga. Super Saga. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great. Uh, and and there's so much stuff in that game that you'll never see if
0: you if you don't go exploring. Right. And it's not just that. It's the humor that Frostbite was mentioning. You know, the stuff with Bowser, the Bowser stories in that game are great. Uh, the Koopalings pop up. Uh just- and this was before they showed up everywhere. And before they showed up everywhere, this is like actually the reintroduction, I believe. Um, as far as Mario RPGs go, I think there's only one that's better. Um, and that's Thousand Year Door on GameCube. But uh, yeah, Masterpiece. I, I don't think there's much more to say about it that hasn't been said already. Um, next on my list, though, and Chad was mentioning it. So here you go, Chad. It's all for you. Uh, Metroid Fusion. Um, and... I'm a Metroid fan in general, uh, especially, um, especially Hold these.
1: K. Burns. I don't know if you can see this. I'm wearing
0: a Metroid Fusion shirt today. Oh man, that's a cool T-shirt. I like that one. Yeah. Like uh, that. So the, it's S.A.X. looking down on on Samus. M- Metroid Fusion is the true Metroid Four, which is interesting. So Metroid Fusion actually came out right around Metroid Prime, within like weeks of each other. Um, which is, and there actually is connectivity between the two of them with the Game Boy Advance Link cable, um, to the GameCube, which is just some neat little Easter egg stuff. But Metroid Fusion, look at that Samus Amiibo and everything. <laughs> um, Fusion it reminds me a lot of Super Metroid, more so than um, a lot like probably more so than any other Metroid game since. Like Fusion, it's a little more linear, and by little I mean a lot more linear. Um, it really is a lot more linear, but it doesn't uh heard it it's got more of a narrative to it than previous metroid games do yeah. um it, it, it's it's and it plays beautifully and I can say this without memory because I just replayed it last week as one of my Game Boy advance games, and I beat it again um Final boss is kind of a pain um, and by the final boss I mean the s a x which is the samus cloned uh thing uh, I don't know what else you call it Clone. I think it's the best way um parasite that's mimicking samus it's a really tough boss but the game is just it's so good and for people who are familiar with metroid and who might have been playing Metroid prime at the same time you also come in with uh samus has a blue suit the fusion suit at the beginning instead of the traditional power suit uh which makes makes sense in the sense and the context of the story Mm -hmm. um but it's just great. And the whole time, what I think is so good about this game is it's not just, you know, you have previous Metroid games, which is Samus on a mission, you know, go destroy the Metroids, go beat the Space Pirates. The enemy in this game, the X parasites right? They're just a mindless parasite, right? The true enemy um, is not the X parasite And, you know, spoilers for a uh, probably close to 20-year-old game now, right? Um, I I think it's like an 18 or 17 year old game I think it was 2003 yeah so you know spoilers I'm sorry I think the spoiler moratorium is lifted on games that old Um, the true enemy is really the federation that Samus has been working for the entire time and that's a twist that you don't see coming you kind of get it as you go the computer that's talking to you is like fucking with you (laughs) throughout the game (laughs) and like again just replaying it was like Oh, that's weird. Oh, that's sketchy. And there's like parts where you just like blatantly ignore the computer's instructions and he reprimands you for it. And I, I don't know. And, you know, while we're talking Metroid, there is another Metroid game on the Game Boy. Yes, yeah. that, you know, I know we talked about a little bit in preparation for this episode. Uh, Metroid Zero Mission. Which Zero, and Zero, that's where Zero, Zero Samus comes from. Uh, I like Zero Mission. Um, Zero Mission is a better Metroid 1 than Metroid 1. Um, it's it's the Metroid 1 remake. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have... Fantastic the re- remake. It, 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 as far as... Re- and it's, like, they just remade uh, Metroid 2 with 3DS, but Zero Mission is a very faithful remake, and all the stuff that they added just enhances the game. It doesn't change it, mm-hmm. it just enhances it. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses the same engine, really, and fusion. It's great. But it's. There's no surprises. I mean, there's the end of the epilogue sequence with the Zero Suit, which is cool. Um, but yeah. when, I, when I decided I had to pick one of the two games to put on my list, it was Fusion. And it was Fusion because of the story that they managed to tell in such a,
3: you know, on a, a handheld system. Um, I was impressed.
1: It, it also still stands as the, um, so far, the end of the Metroid. Story like that's the furthest one correct in the future. They haven't gone past that's Metroid four. They haven't gone past that yet. Because prime was all uh, it takes place between two. It's uh, one or, and two. One and two. right? Oh, one yeah. and two.
0: Well,
3: oh, yeah, you're two. right. You're right.
0: One and two. Yeah. So yeah. And where's
1: where's Metroid five Nintendo?
0: And maybe we'll, uh, they just keep remaking. or are throwing more prime games in there, right? Uh, yeah, right. So if you haven't played fusion and you're a Metroid fan, please do yourself a favor and go play it. It's not that long a game. Um, five hours, maybe. You know? Uh,
3: maybe 10 your
0: first time. Yeah, maybe 10 your first time. I, I, my like playtime on my recent playthrough was like f- just under five hours. Um, so, but definitely worth it. Worth every bit. Um, moving on, um, I'll leave that one for a bit because that will segue into ABC, I think, a little bit. But um, I mentioned it a couple times, this one, because it was the first um it was my first game boy advance game was warrior land four uh you know a warrior land i have a weird feeling with the warrior land games i think they get better as they go until four (laughs) i think you know three is better than two which is better than one i think four is great although i think three is better that being said and yet you put it on the list well because three is a game boy color game so (laughs) Wario Land is one of those franchises that I think everybody should play, and that's why it's on this list. Um, it's very different. Wario comes from Mario, but Wario Land is very different than Mario games. It's a very different motivation. Wario doesn't want to save the world. Wario's greedy. He just wants treasure. Um, and they played, you know, his moveset's different. But Wario Land 4 is just a very cohesive game. The whole thing just kind of works, in my opinion. It's hard to say much about it. I have it on another list again to replay of Game Game Boy Advance games to replay, because it's been 15 years or so since the last time I played it. Um, But what I liked about Warrior Land 4 is that a change from Warrior Land 3 is that it actually the difficulty was greater. In Warrior Land 3, you can't die. Uh, There's no health in Warrior Land 3. It's all just uh, repetition until you find what you're looking for. Warrior Land 4 was more action-based versus puzzle-based, which means you can't die. Um, And it's more of a challenge that way. Um, I also believe you have to, whenever you fit, like, get to the end of a level, you actually have to race all the way back um, to the beginning of the level to get back to like, the warp to finish the stage, um, which is a nice like, little speed running in there for you that you're forced to do. Um, I have a lot of fun memories of Warrior Land 4, and I actually think it's the most accessible Warrior Land, uh, interestingly enough. Even though I think 3 is a better game, I think 4 is a hell of a lot more accessible.
2: And I, th- I think we talked about this once because I, I played through uh, Wario Land Shake It earlier this year mm-hmm. that that game is effectively like they took everything that worked in Wario Land 4 and then just expanded on it. Yeah, and
0: made it prettier because it's all hand-drawn. And made, made, it, and made it prettier because it's all cell animation. Yeah, um, But yeah, like 4 is just there's a culmination of great things to it. The reason I like 3 better is I think that things in 3 like the day and night cycle and the puzzles that come with 3, that's just more to my my taste um but four is you can clearly can tell it's like nintendo's like culmination it's like they're perf- they've perfected their formula here mm-hmm. and, and and three has the classic nintendo
2: boss of two hands and a face that you have to fight <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah we should just do a podcast on nintendo bosses <laughs> with two hands and a face <laughs> two guys and, and- Andross, bongo bongo
1: that thing from Wind Waker, I mean, they're everywhere. The sand level in Mario sixty
0: four. Sand level for Mario Sixty Four. onyx. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I Land four. Highly recommend. Um, and okay, we got two more to go. So, next. Oh yeah, two more. Two sorry. more to go. Two more to go. I think we'd be getting a lot of slack if we didn't mention Pokemon somewhere down the road here um but my i don't okay i think ruby and Sapp- sapphire and emerald are good games um i don't think pokemon start going downhill really until gen six uh, but i think that where if you're gonna play a pokemon game first you gotta go play fire red and leaf green uh which is my the next one on my list we're, we're calling it one game not two. fire red leaf green that's one fair game. it's the same game because you know Game Freak likes to say, hey, we can get your money twice. Um, But, yeah, it's a remake. And I've been kind of slowly saying remakes. There's a lot of remakes on this system from, like, to the past, to all the Mario Advance games. Um, You know, Frostbite, you you know, Tales of Vantage was a remake, right? Like, there's remakes on the system. But Pokemon Red and Leaf Green are very different, in my opinion, to the traditional remake. And they kind of take that Pokemon formula, bring it back and just enhance all the stuff that's broken about that first game. Um and make it better. Uh you get the um the uh the islands, the um the, the islands, the, the islands are, are are there. Um the which just gives you this whole extra story bit, you know, with Team Rocket enhanced story. Um it also if you did play Ruby Sapphire Emerald first finishes your Pokedex because you just can't do it in <laughs> Ruby and Sapphire um, mostly finishes your Pokedex. You got to get Emerald too. game. Freak really was after your money back then. Um, Look, it had only been six years since Red and Blue had actually come out. So. Yeah. In but, North America. Right. But, um, but so. But the thing to remember as well is that those first two Pokemon games um, are very incompatible with Gen 3 onwards. Um, yes, I know there's a way with the Virtual Console 3 is to transfer 1 and 2, Gen 1 and 2 Pokemon through, but they do some weird things to make that work. Um, and that's because in Gen 3, they did a lot of uh, retooling of the inner workings of the Pokemon engine. You know, the IV system and the EV system and all that stuff got introduced into Gen 3. Um, and so that's why Fire and Leaf are so good, because arguably that first Gen of Pokemon is so good. And now it's good with all of the stuff that made Pokemon a better game to begin with and a more intricate game to begin with and not just a simple elemental circle. So I love that game. Plus it's got Deoxys in it. Yeah, you need an <laughs> event, but Deoxys is badass. Um, that, that's the Pokemon game. I, it's the one that if I'm going back to, you know, playing randomizers and things like that, it's my favorite one to do. Um, it, it's a good game. Uh, I think I still have a leaf green cartridge somewhere. I got rid
1: of my fire red. I think my brother, I think he sold it to my brother.
0: <laughs> so it's still in the family. Uh, I, I, I have my copy still. Yeah, it's the one that I will. It's one of my favorite Pokemon games still is Fire Red Leaf Green. Incidentally, the next remake that they did, which was also great, if not the best game that they ever made. Um, maybe on our DS episode in a couple years. <laughs> Um all right, and last, and this one's gonna build into ABC because I think we share this one. Um, and I you know, I thought about this one, I couldn't not put it on because I think it redefined gaming for me. When I first played it, I didn't know what to expect. And after and after I played it, I said, I love this, I'm playing it again. And I actually like played through the entire game a second time because it doesn't get boring. Um and that's WarioWare Inc., Mega Micro Games. Mm. The the first WarioWare Inc. Um What's his name? Nine Volt. He's his are the best parts of that game, by the way. Nine Volt's games, um, but it doesn't get boring because it's just mini game after. It's like playing Mario Party mini games, but in two two to three second bursts, and just constantly, over and over and over and over again. And it's a totally different gaming experience to anything I'd ever played before. I think it worked best here. I think there's a couple, one other one on Game Boy Advance uh, which uses gyro stuff, right? Twisted. Um, yeah. Yep. And then, Shake It was on Wii. There was a DS one touched. Um, there's the a GameCube game one released on uh, on GameCube. That one, yeah, without ported. Yeah, that that, that
2: that game is actually a port of the Game Boy Advance game, which Correct. is crazy to think about. Correct, Mega Party uh, games. It's called. Yeah, but, like like you would think, oh yeah, the Game Boy Advance game must be a port of the the GameCube game. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the so GameCube game is the port.
0: <laughs> but I, I, it's hard to describe this game if you've never played it before. Um, it's literally two to three second games that's coming at you, and they get faster and faster and faster until you lose um, or finish the levels. But if you haven't played it, go find a copy of it on Game Boy Advance. Um, you can emulate you can buy it on Wii U for Virtual Console um, or buy one of the other ones Shade, uh, that's easier to find nowadays. They're not as good as Mega Microgames, in my opinion. Um, although Mega Microgames doesn't have Ashley, and Ashley has the best theme song. Mm. But, but I mean, I mean, Win some, love to
1: See WarioWare come back on the Switch.
0: Yeah, I, 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 think it might. I mean, you have Game and Wario on Wii U, which apparently is not that great. WarioWare Gold was on, uh, 3DS. Yeah, I, I, think we're. I think the Switch is a very good format for WarioWare. Um, it's where Wario got his bike. Well, that's actually not where he got his bike. It's where he got his bike or outfit.
3: Um, he has the bike in Wario Land Four. Uh, but it redefined Wario. It was more yeah. than just a. Mario spinoff.
1: Let's get a Wario, a WarioWare uh, game in the style of Tetris 99 or Mario 35. I I would play that. I would play that, too. I think I would lose so fast, but I would play it so
0: much. Yeah, that or Rhythm Heaven. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's those are my five. And like I said, no Legend of Zelda on there. Very out of character for me. It's probably the only console I would ever do that on. i i think it's funny because
2: you're you're gonna look at all of our lists guys and uh you're gonna notice there's no platforming mario there's no zelda there's barely any metroid there's no yoshi there's you know like it's devoid of all of that
1: well also we to be fair we were trying to make lists of uh you know the, maybe the less obvious things that you would want. Well, to recommend I, to people.
2: I, I, I think it's the games that we like look at and appreciate fondly and the ones that we think we would want
0: to tell people like, oh, you're you're picking up a GBA like these are the games I want you to, to give a shot. Also, don't forget right, about like, Mario. You mentioned no platforming Marios, but there were f- three and a mean, say four, five, four platforming Mario games, and they're all remakes. Yeah, right. And Super yep. Mario, the Super Mario all, Advanced series are all remakes
1: and they were yeah. all inferior remakes. <laughs> uh, with the exception
0: of Mario Bros. 3, which yeah. I talked about extensively on the...
2: That's true, that's true. That's true. Stuff. Although I um, will say
0: 3, Super Mario Advance 3, was for a while the only real good way to play Yoshi's Island um, because Nintendo wasn't re-releasing the Super Nintendo, right? They didn't release Yoshi's Island on virtual consoles. And yep. they did release um, Super Mario Advance 3 on both the G, the 3DS Ambassador and the Wii U virtual console.
2: Yeah, just so, right.
1: bizarre decision. Yeah, in my opinion. Yep.
2: All right. So let's, uh, let's do the list. So, hear. so we're gonna start with the one that's the repeat, which is um, WarioWare: My Ink Mega Micro Games. Uh, never, never owned the game, but I had enough friends who did. Um, I, I want to make a, a statement against something that Caperns just said, which is that the that Mega Micro Games is like one of the most iconic pieces of music. Uh, in that first entry, and it's the just the theme of like the background theme for um, for Wario's mode in the game, um, mm-hmm. which is is like one of the my favorite themes in in games. It's just like so relaxing and chill, and um, it's in Super Smash Bros. Now, yeah, uh, that's correct. Which, which like as a bouncier version of the same song, but uh, it's it's just like such a a fun like little smooth jazzy kind of song um and it gets stuck in my head all the time but yeah I, WarioWare wearing mega micro games is an awesome um is an awesome game both from a single player standpoint and as the the uh the game keep proved as a as a party game yeah um it's 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 it was developed by a bunch of the team that had worked on mario paint uh it later inspired aspects of rhythm heaven. Um it is very much one of those pick-up and play kind of games which I think the GBA has a great assortment of and it yeah. it really emphasizes the system's capability of of entertaining in a short burst, um, which or in short bursts rather than you know long uh sit down and and play an entire game kind of games which say the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color had tons of. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I think Cameron's really, you know, hammered in that that game is it's all about style. It's all about quick, fun gameplay bits. Uh, and I, I I do want to see more of it because I've played most of the WarioWare games and um, some of them are cl- like they come close to that first game in terms of quality. But I think that first game just has like some. Feeling about it that the others just never really fully captured. Yeah. Um, okay, the next game on my list uh, is Advance Wars 2 Black Hole Rising. Um, so Frostbite mentioned Fire Emblem. I'm talking about Advance Wars. Same developer, intelligence Systems. Uh, for those who are not familiar, Advance Wars is the successor to uh, the Game Boy Wars and the Famicom Wars franchise that Nintendo had been running since the Famicom. Uh, they kind of ran in parallel to Fire Emblem there. Uh, rather than having, you know, tactical RPG, it's more like a tactical war simulator. So you, you purchase units, you get funds every turn. Uh, you don't have attachment to your units. Instead, what you have are, um, like, commander-specific powers. So you might play as the guy who, after dealing enough damage, can heal all of his units. Or you'll play as the the character who can attack from a greater distance for one turn, um, or will increase their firepower for one turn. Um, and it's, it's probably funny for some people that I've chosen the second game, but I think the, I think black hole rising is just such a, like, even if you've never played the first one or any other, uh, RPG or tactical game like this, uh, I don't think that any other game like this has has quite the the ease of entry that this one does. Um, The campaign is really good at giving you a a jumping off point, regardless of your experience level. Um, And if you do really well right up front, the game rewards you for it. And if you need some time to learn, the game doesn't punish you for it. you know, the the game also had uh was one of those games that featured uh single cartridge multiplayer. Uh so you could just hook up a Game Boy Advance that had nothing inside of it and play freely with a second person. Um it had same system multiplayer, which turned on fog of war mm. for each player uh when you passed the system back and forth. Mm. It cool. it really kind of was an awesome single player game and an awesome multiplayer game Um, really took advantage of most of the capabilities of the system Um, has really great music. It's got charming visuals, you know, simple, but charming. Um, And yeah, I I think it's worth your time. I still have my card. Um, Yeah. It's a great game. Uh, The third game, and since we've already talked a little bit, Castlevania, we'll talk about some more Castlevania. Um, I was debating between Metroid and Castlevania. I I put Circle of the Moon down here because it was a launch window game for the system. And uh Circle of the Moon is was kind of the first game in the style since Symphony of the Night in the Castlevania games. Um but it was interestingly not developed by Koji Igarashi. Yeah. Um but it has a it the soundtrack lives up to that game. Um and while the visuals are a little flatter and a little bit more muted than *Symphony of the Night*'s uh, sound, uh, visuals are, um, it does a good job conveying the feeling of uh, of those types of Castlevania games on the handheld. Um, it's a little rougher on the edges, and it introduced some systems that rely very heavily on luck uh, for item drops or um, ability drops that would eventually get ironed out in later titles but um, I think if you've never played a Castlevania game before and you wanted to get into something that's kind of like my first Metroidvania style Castlevania um, this is not a bad one to choose just because it is it's simultaneously open and very linear um, unlike symphony in the night or some of the later titles uh there are less options as to where you can go within the castle at any given point in time uh so it's it's pretty accessible in that way um i think when i played it there were only like one or two bosses that i ever struggled with um but you know some combination of and if, if you're going to play this game i highly recommend you play it on a tv somehow because even though the game looks like ass on an actual handheld uh, the visuals really shine through on a TV or at least um, play it on a backlit Game Boy Advance or l- at, at the very least play it on a backlit Game Boy Advance not right. my yellow one that now you use in your possession yeah yeah that's correct uh, so my third game is Kirby and the Amazing Mirror and this is uh, I think the only Kirby game that we included on, in any of our lists uh, the, the Game Boy Advance had a few of them but mm-hmm. this is the one that I've chosen uh, it's not your traditional Kirby platformer in that um, Kirby is very much a linear game. Usually, you know, you get to the end of the level, you get like the vi- level victory screen, and then you go into the next level, and then you reach a boss, and then you go to the next world, and like, like that's been the the format of Kirby since the first game. Um, what made Amazing Mirror so special is that it was actually kind of Metroidvania. You had a, a hub area and a map, and you could uh, you would travel back and forth through um, through these areas, collecting treasures and things that opened up different areas um, and cosmetic uh, abilities so you could, like, recolor your Kirby. Um, the game f- featured you and three computer-controlled Kirbys who all ran around doing different things, but you could call on them at any given time to help you in, in battles and things like that, uh, and, like, you could sort of control them when they were on screen. Um, But, again, this was one of those, like, hey, you can link up with three other friends and play together. And so you could all go off and do different things and beat different parts of the map and then come back and beat... Like, the speedruns for this game, I'm pretty sure the four-player speedrun is, like, insanely quick because everyone goes off and does their own thing. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's it's a very fun Kirby game and one of the things I really always liked about it because it came out in kind of the same time frame that, uh, smash bros was really popular. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, the copy abilities was the smash ability that you gained by beating master hand. Mm -hmm. And, um, when you absorbed that, you literally got the move set from smash. That's Uh, cool. And, you know, with like the button inputs and things like that. And it was, it was a really cool, kirby game that no other title has really come close to in terms of the structure and format of it um but you know it it uses a bunch of it reuses a bunch of visual assets from uh the remake of kirby's adventure on it was also which in game is a Dance, fantastic which is a great I've game had. nightmare and dream dreamland is great yeah. but the because they reused all these assets they also had the ability to just be like okay we don't need to make any visual assets let's Mm-hmm. Just really up the sound design, and so the sound
1: design is very good. Uh, but yeah, it, it's probably my favorite Kirby game. So I actually own uh, Amazing Mirror, but I've never beaten it, and I've tried a couple of times. And I, I gotta say that game is really confusing. <laughs> like I, I, it's a it's a maze. Like I, you, I remember you just you have to rely on the the map. Amazing
0: Mirror. Yeah, yeah you, ha- you have
1: to rely on the map. Um, I got completely lost. Every time I tried to to play through it and just ended up putting it down. Yeah, it it's it's interesting because it does a
2: bunch of things that no other Kirby game has done. It introduces a bunch of bosses and boss types and fights that haven't been seen elsewhere. Um, so I th- like you fight Wispy Woods once, I think, or you fight an equivalent of Wispy Woods, but it's not actually Wispy Woods. You fight like a, a, a little castle with a face and it, it's effectively Wispy Woods. Um, but they, they really try to mix it up. It doesn't feel
1: like any of the previous Kirby games because of that. Um,
3: it's a very highly
1: it, reviewed game, so maybe it deserves yeah, another chance. Yeah, yeah. I
2: I think it's one of those games that I... I don't know if I want them to, you know, go back and try again with it, or if they should just... You know, if, if it got the NSO online treatment, um, I think this is true of a lot of Game Boy Advance games, it would... Do, like if it had that latency-free online play that a lot of NES and Super NES games have now, uh, it would really benefit from it because it's it's just one of kind of like Four Swords. It's it's a good time either uh, you know running around solo or running around with your friends in that game. Um, but the last game I've chosen is really only half of a game. I debated uh, putting
0: this one on my list too.
2: And I can't recommend the other half of this game because I haven't played it yet, even though I have it and that's golden sun. Um, so I am a big fan of Camelot's RPGs. I've talked about it in the past. Um, I got into golden sun because I liked the Mario golf and Mario tennis games so much. And visually it, it has that, you know, kind of awkwardly morphing sprites when they talk or move, uh, Appearance and it's got You know some pretty great music um So I, I picked it up not really Knowing what I was getting into And um Golden Sun is One of my favorite JRPGs uh, It's fantastic The for, for a lot of reasons that I've actually Talked about disliking other RPGs so you it, It's weird and that like you level Up your characters but All of their their class typings and all of their magic abilities and things like that are these equipable characters, um, that you can swap around freely between your party. And, uh, everybody has an affinity to one of these elements. And while you can, you know, pair up like the guy who's, fi- he's got, he's naturally, um, got, got an affinity to fire. You could put all the fire guys on him. Or you could mix them up and give them like a, a range of abilities. So the game really encourages mixing and matching your abilities and and trying new combinations, and you don't get penalized for it because you can switch at any time. Um, but the, the the game is very clear about where it wants you to go at any given point in time. Um, so you never get lost. Uh, the so much of the overworld is interactable, which I find is a big problem in a lot of jrpgs where the worlds just feel flat like you just have to get from point a to point b mm. but um each one of these abilities that you equip may do so- something like oh you need to equip you know the fire at, or the land and the earth ability so that you can make beanstalks grow and for whatever reason that combination is going to be incredibly useful in the overworld so uh through that overworld exploration they really encourage um Exploring the systems within the game. Um the the game has a great quick battle system. The the uh the story moves at a good pace. Um I, I, I played it for the first time right after having finished Chrono Trigger, and I was kind of equally as enthralled with this game as I was with Chrono Trigger at the time, um, which should say something. A lot of people have issue with with getting into Golden Sun. And hmm. um, I'm not quite sure I understand all of the, the reasons, but some people have issue with the, the art style or they have issue with the, the, the camera moves a lot in the battle system. And some people yeah, yeah, I've get seen like that. some kind of motion sickness from this. Um, so I
0: understand like people being physically unable to play the game. but As somebody who does get motion sickness with a lot of games... I don't get it with this one, so I don't get it. <laughs> this doesn't bother you, yeah. you know. Like th- this is one of those games that you can get on the Wii Virtual Console.
2: And I correct me if I'm wrong. Was it a Ambassador game? I can't remember. Nope. No, no. I thought it was for some reason. No. Nope. Um, it got a direct sequel uh, a year or so later after it came out, which is uh, Golden Sun: The Lost Age. Uh, literally picks up right where the game left off. But it's, it's one the, big with, game. It, it, it's it's one game, and you know this because if you download the ROMs off of the, the carts themselves, uh, they are titled Golden Sun A GBA and Golden Sun B .gba. Wow. Um, and and you you can take the password or a link cable from the end of the first game and link it directly into the second game to transfer over all of your character's progress. Wow. It transfers all of their items, all of their equipment, all of their levels, all of their collected abilities. Um, Which is
0: strange because you don't play as those characters in the second game. Uh,
2: you you eventually do, just not in
0: the first part of the game. Right. So yeah. it, it's just interesting because I've only also only ever played the first Golden Sun, and literally at the end of the game, the story just stops. Like it's not even so much like, oh, uh, a sequel is clearly coming because you know, like it, it was so it it's so good. It says to be continued. Yeah. The, it, the, but the but it, screen. It's like imagine it more like Back to the Future Two not Back to yep. the Future 1, right? Yep. Where Back to the Future okay. 1 could have set up a sequel, but if it never did, it would have just been a cool ending, right? Whereas Back to the Future 2 leaves a story in suspense, yeah. in the middle. It just yeah. stops. <laughs> it's, it, it's a very
2: good explanation for that. And my understanding is that the second one ends with kind of that cliffhanger, the way that Back to the Future 1 does. Uh, and then the follow-up that they had to it years later on the DS was kind of lackluster. From my but, understanding, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I which have is unfortunate. Some questions. About Go this game, um, yeah, as you know, I've never been huge into JRPGs, um, but uh, it, this is one. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Here, Golden Sun is one where it's the the classic combo of uh, random battles and turn based. Yes, is that yes, correct. Yep. Is there anything about it that um, system wise, like the 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 systems in the game that sets it apart from? Every other game like yes. that. Yes, and that was the
0: gin system that it. Yeah, the, the gin about.
2: system. So, uh, you collect these these characters, and they're all themed around one of four <laughs> elements. Um, mm-hmm. And when you have them, you can equip them, and there's like two st- states for them, which is like set, and I don't remember what the other one is, waiting or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if they're set, they're like ready to go, be used on the field for, for, uh, for spells or they, um, they can be used in battle as like summons. Um, and if you use them in battle, they get unequipped and you have to re-equip them. But like when, when you lose the equipped status on one of these things, it changes your stats. So if you had like, Two fire ones and a water one, and for whatever reason that gave you the cla- your character, the class of samurai, and you use the water one, it might change your character to just like warrior, and that would prevent them from using certain types of, of attacks, and it might change their their actual stats. Um, but then like one of the commands that you can take a turn up with is set, and if you set that, it re-ups their stats and it re-gives them all these, these abilities. And you can change things on the fly in battle. Yeah. So.
0: And they stack see, on top of each other too, right? So like I. Right. I didn't mix and match them when I played it through the first time I played it through. Um, I actually went, okay, the character who has the fire affinity, give him all the fire. There's like, there's four of each in the game, I think, that you actually have to go find. Yep. Um, well, there, there's like four or five, yeah. Yeah. So I gave him the entire fire thing. And then they stack so you actually get the most powerful fire elemental attack. Now ends up on the fire character, right? And that's a yep. strategy you can take to it, And that's how I played it. So um, you don't get those strong, like, strongest attacks unless you do that. Wait, you know, give them all to the, because then you need like four fire to get that attack or whatever it was.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Uh... It,
2: it, it encourages mixing and matching the various abilities, which. I mean, let, let, let's let's use a different example. I just played through, not, ju- not just, but recently played through uh, Final Fantasy VII, and in that game you know, the materia can be moved around from character to character, but aside from the minor stat boosts that you get from everything, like if you've decided that one character should just have it, or all of your characters should have the ability to heal, you can just give healing abilities to all your characters. You have to based on the the distribution of certain abilities like if you only have two water gin and the water ones are the only ones that provide healing abilities you have to select very carefully like all right this character is better suited for for healing or this character is uh is going to stand in the front line of my attack so i'm going to give him all the earth elemental guys because he can take a beating it'll raise his defense or whatever um and But you can say, like, you know what? No, this other character should be a healer, and I'm gonna just going to move all of the water stuff over to them. Um, and th- there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, moment to moment, you can kind of reclass your characters as if, you know, you were just wiping the board clean and rewriting their character sheets.
0: Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it a playthrough if you've never checked it out before. Uh, if you do end up playing through the first one and liking it, Unfortunately, you have to kind of play the second one, which I never did. So I guess I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I don't actually know how the story ends, but like, it really does just sort of like I said before, it just stops midway. It's like they they talk to you about like lighting four lighthouses, which doesn't say much about the story. But you know, as you're going through at the basically the second the first game ends with the second lighthouse being lit, and then it's just done. Yeah, yeah there's still two lighthouses it, left.
2: And so, like I said, I picked up both games and I am going to get to the second one at some point, but I finished the first one in 2019 and I just haven't gotten back to, it. Um, but I, I fully complete, like I got everything I could in that first game. So when I transfer stuff over, I'm going to uh, like the, the, I guess the best way to put it is there are these eight characters that you're following uh, in the first golden sun and uh they're all sort of like friends with they were friends with each other but like one group went off to go do the opposite of what you're doing they're like trying to light the lighthouses and you're trying to stop them from being lit and the first game you're playing as this group that's trying to stop this calamity from happening and the second game you play as that other group of four kids that you
1: interesting okay
2: that you were following so you (laughs) like all of the the initial character development has been done for them yeah so you can just jump in and be like all right i know what your goal was like how did you get to this point and what are we doing from here on out so your goal is going to be like the inverse of the the first game yeah and
0: understanding a different perspective is interesting too it's not so simple as good versus evil um Mm -hmm. and that's again i don't want to give away too much for us but if you decide to go play it, but. yeah, it's it's weird. And it was a big kind of twist that the second game was taking the other perspective. Um, I recommend it. I, I I almost put it on my list, too, but it was hard for me to justify JRPG on my own list because I've had issues with them in the past, too.
3: Yeah, well, cool. I mean, you well, put
0: Pokemon on there. I, J, I
3: think, that's
1: not a JRPG, let's be honest. I would like to try to maybe play a couple of the games that you guys have recommended that I maybe haven't given a fair chance so yeah, uh, yeah but I, this one I guess the best place for me to get it at, at this point would probably be on uh, on Wii U is that right unfortunately
2: uh, yes probably I mean it's not an expensive game it was a very common GBA game so you may be able to find a cheap copy online um, will it be as cheap as on the Wii U no but you know that it has its substance downs that way
0: yeah yeah, um, but uh, it, it's not that expensive on the Wii U Virtual Console. That's where I actually have it, um, uh, or that was the last time I played I played it through twice, and the last time I played it through was on Wii U Virtual Console, So it, it works fine uh, there.
2: Uh, all right, I, I have one more question for you guys with regards to the GBA, um, which is, you know, the GBA had a lot of... It, it was the return for a lot of franchises, especially to the handheld space. Um, were there any GBA games that you think just like totally missed the mark in terms of the the series that they were supposed to be representing?
1: Oh, uh, you, I, I'm sure there are some. Oh,
0: man.
3: Mario Kart Super Circuit.
0: <laughs> it's probably the worst Mario Kart. <laughs> it's not even close. It is the worst Mario Kart. Um Sonic Advance, not great Sonic games. Tried to be the original Sonic games, not great. I, I don't know that they've missed the mark totally, though. They are Sonic games, they're just... It's, it's hard. You have great, you know, the good Sonic games with Genesis, and then you have all the bad Sonic games that have come in the past 20 years. <laughs> and then you have games like the Sonic Advance games, which are playable, but
2: not good. Because I I think it's worth noting, the Game Boy Advance is kind of this this great meeting point for uh what would have been like all the the mascot platformers and things like that from the the console generation that had just passed right you had uh a bunch of crash games on it you had a bunch of spyro games on it you had a bunch of sonic games on it uh characters that had been traditionally sony and and sega exclusives until this point um and there were just kind of like i said it was a a big meeting point for for all of the the big faces in gaming at the time um, you know, there were a bunch of uh fighting games that that made that that brought characters over to the the to Nintendo platforms. Um, yeah,
0: if you want to really ask to your question, missing the mark, is Mario Kart Super Circuit. That game is not good. Fair enough. I admittedly
1: I have not even played it, but, don't uh, I think it's pretty highly regarded still. I mean, I, I'll admit. It's probably one of the one of the worst reviewed Mario Kart games, but that like that's not really saying that
0: much because no, all it's are all pretty not. highly reviewed. I mean, like anything you, you slap Mario on it, generally it does pretty well. Yep, but no, I, I I think if you're really trying to compare it to other Mario Kart games as well and that franchise, it's not good. Oh, I'll give you one. I'll give you one that truly missed the mark trying to bring a franchise over. It didn't really. Be, you know, bring it back from the dead. But it's just, you no know. Mario Party Advance. You want to say that it missed? It just missed the point is Mario Party Advance. Mario Party is not fun single player on a handheld. It's not. And then they <laughs> no, try it again twice. There are two other handheld Mario games, one on DS, and one on 3DS. Whoa, whoa, you missed the e-reader game. There's one on DS and then there's one on 3DS. <laughs> and, um, they just don't. I mean, I think they're probably better than Mario Party Advance, but God, Mario Party Advance is trash. I played it never again.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I, my, my memories of the Game Boy Advance were very polarizing in terms of the types of games that I would play. Uh, there were, you know, the good games that we have talked about and the ones that, you know, I think show up in a lot of top five or top ten lists. Um, and then, you know like people don't really talk about the crash games. People don't really talk about, uh, the, the, all the
0: ports of the various RPGs. Like I think the first six final fantasy games all ended up on. And some of those are actually really highly regarded. Final fantasy six Advance is apparently fantastic, but it doesn't use the original translation of the game. It uses half of the original and half based on the original Japanese from my understanding.
3: Yeah.
2: So, I mean, like there, there's some interesting stuff on the on the GBA, and there's also a lot of stuff we didn't get in North America, which is weird because the GBA is region free. So if you want to go play it, you can. Um, but you know, we we talked briefly about WarioWare, and there was another WarioWare came on the system, right? There was uh a
0: there was a Yoshi title that used a tilt sensor. There was there was more Kirby games. We mentioned another Fire Emblem briefly. The, the, Secret Stones. The, there there
3: the,
0: you guys ever played Baktai? Bless you.
2: <laughs> OK, Baktai was a action RPG with a solar sensor in the cartridge. Oh, boy. Hold on. Developed by Hideo Kojima. OK, well, that's there were th- there. There were three of these games. So that's a thing, apparently. And they linked up with the Mega Man uh, Battle Network games. Neat. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I-, I don't know. Just th- there's there's all sorts of weird stuff that happened on the GBA.
3: There's an um, F-Zero game.
2: Uh, there's two F-Zero games.
3: Yeah, you're right. There are two F-Zero games.
2: Because uh, one of them we didn't get here.
3: Yeah, I forgot about it. No. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, it, like if you look at all the Nintendo franchises, only like one or two of them didn't make it onto the system. There were ports of Donkey Kong Countries one, two, and three. Um, and three had an entirely different soundtrack because the system literally could not handle the
0: SNES soundtrack. Yeah, that's correct. I think, th- um, there was no, I think the one you're saying franchise that didn't make it, I think Star Fox is one of the few. That's the one, yeah, yeah. yeah. didn't make it. Unfortunately, wow. it did make it onto onto the DS very soon after the DS's release, and that game is the worst Star Fox game ever.
2: <laughs> but, like, the system had, what, five mainline Pokemon games, uh, four remakes of of Mario titles. Two and a half including Zelda. The RPG, two and a half Zelda, you know, two Metroid. It, it had, at least from a first-party standpoint, it was, they were going for, like, the prolific... Uh, library there, and of course it was compatible with the entire Game Boy and Game Boy Color yeah. library, yeah. Um, with the exception of the of Kirby Tilt and Tumble. If you were playing on a Game Boy Advance SP, right?
3: Hmm.
2: Um, but like, and, and some games even took advantage of the fact you were playing on a Game Boy Advance, right? Uh, like Oracle: Seasons, Oracle of Ages. Uh, that's Zelda. what I was going to say. We talked about them previously. But like they just said, "Oh, hey, you're playing on a Game Boy Advance. Let's open a door for you." Which is like wow. nothing. You go
0: in those shops you buy like a ring or something like that. But yes, they existed.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I don't think they were the only ones to recognize that you were on a. On a Game Boy Advance, but I can't recall for sure.
0: Yeah, I think there was another, but those were definitely the two that I remember.
2: And there there were also some weird carryovers from from the Game Boy era. Like. Uh, I'm trying to think if it, it was on the, the Game
1: Boy Advance. Um yeah game game and watch gallery 4. Um I was going to bring that one up actually. Um that that's I think that's actually a fantastic game. It, honestly, it is. It just it it feels like one of those games that has no business being on a Game Boy Advance. I I disagree man. Like that I that's like a really really good pick up and play sort of game and I uh, actually put a lot of time into it. <laughs> um Sorry, let let
2: me rephrase that. Given that the first three entries are like. Early G or early Game Boy games and like one of them was uh, compatible with the Game Boy color. It was a black cart Game Boy game, if I remember correctly. Uh, like oh it just head. feels very weird that like of all the series to bring forward on this is Game Boy Advance, that's the one that you, that you chose.
3: Yeah, I had one. But the of, I game think that I gave it system
2: didn't system didn't get its own Mario game, but here's Game and Watch Gallery Four.
0: That's I think the biggest thing that the Game Boy Advance is missing is its own Mario platformer game. It you know DS had New Super Mario Brothers, 3DS had uh, well, it also had a New Super Mario Brothers, but it also had um, uh, 3D Land. Yep. But uh, the Game Boy Advance just ported all the old ones. Here's Super Mario yeah. Brothers two, three, World, and Yoshi's Island. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yep.
2: yep. And, well, guess... and of course, all of the NES games that got ported over.
0: <clears throat> right, right.
1: Um, so any... Uh, you guys have any, like, honorable mentions, games that, you know, didn't quite make your, your top five lists there?
0: Yeah. you want to just name drop? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned them during the the thing already. Metroid Zero Mission and Pokemon um, Emerald, Ruby Sapphire they were close inclusions didn't make it um i i do think um uh, both link to the past um and minish cap deserve a mention although they don't deserve that stance on my list but that doesn't mean they're bad games link to the past like i said better on super nintendo still worth playing if game Advance is the only way you can um it's mostly fine
2: yeah i i, I had a few as well um So I I mentioned my love of the the Camelot Mario Golf Mario Tennis. Um, They actually got direct sequels to the Game Boy Color games on the Game Boy Advance, um, which are both pretty good games. Um, Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town, such a a well-loved game that it just got a remake on Switch. Um, It's Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town, but it's the exact same game uh mario versus donkey kong which is a sequel mm. to donkey kong 94 um uh, i'm trying to think there's like one or two other games that i i, I mentioned the the crash and Spyro games uh the Spyro games aren't great in my opinion on the, the gba but i have one Cra- but 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 crash Bandicoot. I, I have two of them uh crash bandicoot uh the was the huge the huge adventure is the first one I think that game is a surprisingly good adaptation of the the side scrolling sections of Crash. Um, it was also developed by Traveler's Tales, who went on to do the the Insane trilogy, and that was like their first moment with the series. Uh, it 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 effectively just uses digitized assets from Crash two and three on the PS one. But uh, it's a surprisingly good game. Um, you know, like like there's a few games that people probably ignored. But uh, if you like tactics games, there's Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Which go ahead. Uh, I think it was Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Yeah. I think it's is the name of it. Which is like just straight up more Final Fantasy Tactics. So if you like that game. Uh, there's more on the GBA, and I think there's more on the DS, right? Um, right? I don't the the GBA is just like such a a dearth of or so like such a well of of just like weird hidden gems that all you have to do is like go digging in a game bin at at a store that has GBA games, and you'll probably find something worth playing in there.
3: Um, I think that sums up pretty nicely. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's something for everybody that that it's absolutely one of the systems
2: it's par- probably the reason that the ds started to such a on such a high note because it supported
0: all of the gba library that's true and some games utilize the slot yep look at that's you pokemon true. gen four
1: Oh, uh, like the rumble uh, such a cool idea anyway that's that's off topic but yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, but you know guys we would love to hear what your thoughts are we, we listen to a lot of games but you know feel free to um, you know, pop on into the Discord channel and tell us some of your favorite Game Boy Advance games, maybe some that we missed that we should play, or just your experience with the system overall. Um, or hit us up on Twitter, let us know. Um, I'm on a Game Boy Advance kick right now, so I can use a couple more games to play. They're, re- <laughs> they're really easy to put, you know, half an hour into right now because it's really hard for me to get to get enough time to play games. Did, right now, did you need a Game Boy Advance to play it on? I've got this yellow one that you know, and I just got rid of a yellow one. <laughs>
2: Oh, man. So this is perfect.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us tonight for to celebrate the Game Boy Advance's 20th birthday. Um, I believe this year we also celebrate the GameCube's 20th birthday and the Wii. Uh, I think the Wii as well is celebrating a birthday as well. Um, 15, fifteen years, yeah. I believe. So really fifteen oh. years in November. Yeah, wow. so big year for Nintendo consoles. Um, yeah. But thank you again for joining us. We'll hopefully be back next week with some uh, with some gaming for you all. Um, so stay tuned to what we will be up. Please give us a follow on Twitter. Join our Discord. Check out some of our past content on YouTube as well. We swear at each other a little bit. It's great stuff.
1: <laughs> um, if you're listening to the audio uh, podcast, um, then uh, please, we'd appreciate it if you Leave us a like or a review on whichever platform you're on. That would really help us out. Help get uh, get the podcast out to more ears. And tell your friends to subscribe to
2: us on Twitch or to follow us on Twitch so that we force Kaverns to play Mega Man X.
3: Yeah,
0: make it sound like it's a bad thing. I'm I'm looking forward to it, but it's an incentive. <laughs> it is an incentive. So yeah, please, guys, drop us a follow on whatever platform you're on. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, Thank you all for joining us uh, for the Totally Average Gamer's podcast. We'll catch you next time. Stay average, everybody.